0: Lead the charge with Milwaukee. Performance, power, precision, no petrol hassles. Learn more at milwaukeetool.com.au. Milwaukee, nothing but heavy duty. Aces, I know I always talk about the Rixies, but I've got to offer you the discount again. In case you've forgotten or in case you're sleeping under a rock, we have a special discount code for everyone that listens to this podcast or watch the podcast. It's ACEs. Head online to rickseyewear.com.au and use the discount code ACES and you'll get 20% off. That's right, 20% off, one-fifth at checkout and free express shipping. So head online, au and check it out. All right, do we have a big show for you today? Let's get stuck into it. Welcome back, everybody, to the Tommy Talks podcast. As always, we have some huge guests that join us. And today we've got Chris Johnson, superstar, three-time premiership player. You've done it all, international rules. But now at SKS, Indigenous Technologies, as the GM there, doing some great things with the AFL. Um, no doubt still doing commentary. I tuned in the other day with Brown Dog as well. It's, <laughs> you're everywhere, mate. But thank you so much for your time. I can't wait to have a chat.
1: Nah, good to be, Tommy. You forgot the wooden spoons, mate. Don't forget the three wooden spoons. you got to do your hard yards before you get to the free flags, oh, we, like to just, <laughs> we like to just pump them
0: up over here. <laughs> I was interested, though. I read that you were the last player to, um, you know, to kind of leave Fitzroy. Is that true, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the last player uh, to play, a uh, last Fitzroy player to ever play in the AFL. So uh, the merge happened. Uh, we went up Brisbane. Uh, eight of us went up there and uh, – Uh, basically uh, there were only a few of us left that that, uh, went out to different other clubs as well, but yeah, the last Fitzroy player to actually ever play. Um a lot of the other boys had retired uh before me and um yeah, so the last one to go around it was uh it was it, it was sad in a way but but it certainly at the same time uh pretty proud of it. Pretty at, cool, at, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And and the Fitzroy people have got there's a massive following behind Fitzroy and um you know from all around the around the country, but obviously, you know uh, we weren't successful uh, in the period that I was there, but certainly a decade before we uh, folded up, Tommy, we were so successful. We had guys like Gary Wilson, uh, Bernie Quinlan, uh, Mick Conlon, you know, we, Laurie Serafini. Um, uh, we had so many uh, great players that were pushing sort of Victorian status or even all Australian status, and and over a ten year period we sort of just declined a little bit, and and obviously it became more marketable, and the, the game came, there was a lot more money involved, and and the Fitzroy Football Club just couldn't uh, hold up, but. I remember my times there, three years there. I was, uh, played my first game as a 17-year-old, uh, which was great. Uh, I played at uh, – it was actually Timmy Watson's 300th out at Prince's Park. Oh, there you go. Um, and uh, uh, they'd just come off uh, winning the flag in 93. Uh, yep. Myself, John Barker, Jared Malloy all played our debut uh, for Fitzroy that day. Three boys that came through the Northern Knights system. So we're all out there and, um, and uh, uh, you know, it was uh, Timmy's 300th. And I lined up on a brand-low medalist. From the year before and Gavin Wanganine. Oh. So <laughs> it was a bit terrifying <laughs> at the moment, mate. Well he must
0: have he must have t- taught you a few things because uh he's, yeah, he was a gunner. I was born in nineteen ninety oh, three. but I still remember watching um because I had the tape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember watching that grand final. Um yeah. So that's funny that you brought that, that up because uh, Dustin Fletcher was playing as a 17-year-old, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was quite strange. I was there on the day too, Tommy, and I actually played in the grand final that day in the under-18s, Northern Knights grand final. Oh, uh. right. And uh, managed to uh, we managed to beat the uh, the Western Jets. We kicked 32-32, and the Western Jets kicked. Oh, I think they kicked eighteen seventeen. It was a, it was a high score ever that's kicked the on high score, yeah. <laughs> the highest score ever to be kicked on Grand Final day uh, at, at the MCG. I've been told so. Um, it was that,
0: a pretty big day. That's a lot of scoring. Was anyone defending?
1: Uh, no, it wasn't <laughs> too many. Uh, Shannon Gibson kicked ten. Uh, he got best on ground. And I kicked a lazy seven in the second half. <laughs> oh, so,
0: you, so that's unbelievable! How do you kick seven and a half?
1: Well, you just don't go near your man. You don't get <laughs> manned up. You don't get manned up. Uh, kick three in the third, and then I think I kicked four, four in the last. So yep. uh, when the game was well and truly over, that's, so it was oh, a pretty yeah. good day. It was, uh, it was a beautiful summer day, and um, you know, as you as you would have seen when Carlton and, and Essendon played that that afternoon, and uh, yeah, it was it was a good day. It was the first time ever playing on the MCG, so I was quite lucky.
0: That is exciting. It's always a big thing as a kid growing up that they just want to play on the G. It's it's there's something special about it, and there's obviously a lot of good decks now, but the G, oh, it's like the Colosseum. It's the, just it's the, the,
1: the G you just want to get to. You want every moment that uh, you know you dream about playing AFL football, especially as a Melbourne boy. You dream about you, you don't dream about playing at Windy Hill or Princess <laughs> Park or Victoria Park. <laughs> you dream about the MCG being there, and I've been there a couple of times with my mother um, and my grandmother and my auntie who her Mad Cartons a which I was growing up, and you've been to the MCG a handful of times, and all you want to do is just just go to that ground and play. And yeah. and to be, to be able to get there, and the only way you could get there is A, play AFL football or play reserves VFL football, and then the under-18 competition here in Melbourne or here in Victoria always played before the grand final. Now it's, now it's sort of all changed and turned into a, a national competition. They've now got the best 18-year-olds around the country playing now, so... Um yeah, it was the only way you could get on. So uh and there was probably times when I was growing up that you could run on the ground maybe, Tommy, back yeah, in those yeah, days. I but could. uh but uh yeah, to to actually play on there. I'm pretty
0: uh, sure they're doing that now. I know when I was in Sydney, um they were doing that and there's a few other ones, but I'm not sure if I think they do it at Marvel. The Gabba. I'm not the sure Gabba that, they yeah, do it. They might not do it at the G though. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Do you think they should bring back uh maybe just like reserves footy? Like, you know, VFL is getting pretty close to having their own sides. We know our boy Mickey Barlow, he's yeah. he's at Werribee. There's only a few of those sides are stand alone. But do you think they should play VFL prior to to, to AFL, or are you still concerned about the deck?
1: No, nah, no, nah, not at all. Well, well, it's a TV thing, right? It's a TV thing. The, if you have more games on the MCG, the ground's not going to look as good. It's not going to come up as good. That's that's your only thing. But but I, I think you know if you look back to the days, uh, especially when I was when I first started off, Tommy, we had that there was 19s before the eight, under 18 competition got going. There were 19s reserves and seniors, and you know the amount of players that you had through your football club, such as North Melbourne, who I was to is that they they had a pool of say sort of 60 players for their 19s another you know sort of 60 odd for their seniors in their reserves I think it's a great thing I think it's either that or you've got to play AFLW games before uh, the uh, the actual men's game um, mm-hmm. you know you because there was nothing better there was nothing better playing VFL football or reserve football back then getting to the second half and the crowd starts to build and yeah. then you get to the last quarter and there's all, you know, all the, all the sounds start happening, in the seats and people are talking, no one's really watching you. They're watching you a little bit, but, but you get to play in, you know, big crowds uh, for, for even for, for a quarter, but. I think we need to bring that back. And whether it's AFLW or whether it's VFL, um, I'm not too sure, but certainly um, you need to get it back. Whether there's enough grounds at the moment, enough real facilities to be able to hold, because only in Melbourne we've only got the two where we play, uh, and obviously in Brisbane there's two. Sydney, there's two. There's two, two in every state, almost. So, so yeah, you just got to worry about the the surface and how well that comes up. I reckon mm.
0: there's a few logistics, isn't there? Yeah,
1: there about is. It. But but I think it's worth it. I think it's worth looking at the AFLW part of it. Um, you know because. I think now what is almost every team has an AFLW side now. Yeah, well, I think. I think oh, there's be. probably two more clubs that come in. I'm not too sure. Um, You'd but, imagine
0: they'd all be if they're not already filled. Yeah, then you should know that. So
1: if Brisbane, I think I think the AFL fixture should 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 uh, or the uh, AFLW fixture should just mirror image the the men's fixture and just play them at the same time. Um, mm. You know, it's going to be a longer season for the for the females, obviously, but uh, but I think it's a way of building more more supporters, more supporter base. But it gives it gives the AFLW girls an opportunity to play on the big venues Um, and I think we need to go back to or not back to but they need to go to 18 v 18 not 16 v
0: 16. 16 v 16 obviously is to open it up but 18 v 18 would create more contests yeah and imagine that'd be an eye-opener for the girls like pre-game like as you said all the crowd would be rolling in and and it is one club so they're already in the stands anyway watching if they're not playing so it just means they they finish and then get up in the stands and watch the blokes play.
1: And you see where they're playing now, Vic Park. Obviously, you know it's it's not too far from here. It's just down the road. Uh, you know, it's a dog park now. Uh, Is it? You know, you know you go during the week, and Is there's it a dog park. Yeah, I used to play
0: my um, when I was a, when I was a youngster. Like all our state games. Yeah, like, that, that would have like been. that's where they were playing. It was a good deck,
1: though. It was, no, it's a good deck. There's no doubt about that. But but through the week, a few landmines on mate, the deck. There's a lot of landmines. <laughs> there's a lot of potholes too, as well. Dogs get the digger. I actually take. I'm probably one of those. <laughs> oh, uh, one of those people, take my dog down you, you there as take well. You don't leave the landmine yeah, on the nah, ground. No, nah, no, nah, you certainly don't. <laughs> and the reason why it's such a great dog park is because it's all fenced in. The dogs can just go crazy. So. Oh, it's one of those. Yeah, little, yeah the dogs yeah, can hang out. Yeah, and then, you hang yeah. out. You can take them off the lead and everything else. But um, but yeah, it's certainly um, you know. You've got the the girls now playing in those smaller venues as well, so I think they need to get the experience. Yep. And and yes, and yes, it's uh, you know they've only just started, and it's a slow build. But I reckon that's the next step.
0: Yeah, well said, mate. Well said. I want to go to you growing up before we get into footy, yep. um, back to where we were, Fitzroy. Um, just talk to everyone about where you grew up. Uh, I think Jacana was yeah. is, is, is pretty rough back in the day. Yeah. It's, it's it's all right now, but back in the day, Jacana and Broad Meadows, so the amount yeah. of heat you used to cope, you one of your tough bastard.
1: Yeah, mate. Well, well, Gucana, That that's the club I played for. Um, so Jakarta Football Club—that's who Dad played for. Um, we lived in West Meadows, so uh, which is uh, the Turak part of Broad Meadows, as we call it. <laughs> Turak, uh, yes. it's, it's a uh, um, so so yeah. Grew up there, uh, you know. Went to primary school there, went to high school there. Uh, you go back there now, Tommy. No longer there. Both both schools have been knocked down, oh, really? and now it's all just residential area uh, at the moment. But the the football club's still there. I was. Lucky enough to go back after having a little stint at Avondale when I moved back here. Uh, Went back there, uh, Chicana, for three years. uh, Got into two grand finals. We won one at the end. Uh, we had Cam Cloak down there kicking 100 goals for us and um, went down there and put a bit more time and effort into that football club and uh, we got over the line and that's when I hung him up and said, I'm done and and uh, only just playing the Aboriginal carnivals there. But, but, but grew up there and got a lot of friends still back there as well and um, even my mother-in-law, he's still living back there. We we get back there at the uh, uh little pizza restaurant up on top of Johnson Street. Uh, I was only there the other night actually and had a good pizza there. So, so I get there back there a bit but, yeah, yeah, pretty rough area um, uh, especially going up uh, you know it's uh, it was a, it was a place of hard knocks as well and uh, you know a lot of people you know working hard and uh, you know that sort of You know, down and out type people, and um, you know, but a great community to 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 grow up in. But certainly, got to watch your back from time to time. Any funny
0: stories, or you know, any more insightful stories of you know, watching your back as a youngster?
1: Oh, mate, there was plenty of them. Uh, You know, especially especially at school, and especially playing the games, the footy. You know, we used to come up against Wallen a fair bit as well. There there was a couple of stories there, mate, that your big Basil Hall, when he was only a little fella, still used to (laughs) throw him around a little bit as well. So you had to be mindful of that. But um, but yeah, nothing. Nothing that was too too much over the top. It was it was almost like you you know your, your schoolyard bullying type thing, and that you needed to be really really mindful of.
0: Yeah, there you go. Oh, well, um, the two rack of uh, <laughs> the two rack of broad meadows. <laughs> that's brilliant. That is brilliant.
1: Well, Eddie Eddie grew up there. Now he lives in Turak. So yes, uh, uh, the uh, the Maguire family. I love that you
0: went back there. I'll, I'll talk about that. Did that mean a lot to you? Like, were you always thinking throughout your career, even you know. Your successful career at Brizzy and um, and obviously early days, but you always had in the back of your mind, I want to go back and do something special for my community.
1: Yeah, certainly, certainly. So the last um, the last premiership they had won, Jacana uh, was was in two thousand and one, I think, uh, with a group, and then before that, it was early nineteen eighties. Oh, um, wow, so so it was a real dry senior premiership uh, time. Um, and, and I had mates that had gone back and played, uh, you know, a few people that I, that I knew that were still there at the football club that I knew as young kids as well. So so I wanted to go back. It was only up the road from home as well. Um, as I said, I, when I first moved back here, I went and coached and played at Avondale Heights, um, which, which uh, you know, was a great time there. Um, and then at the end of my time there, I went back to Chicana, which was which was always good to go back to. I always had, you know, certain people ringing me, talking to me, and still keeping connected with those people. But I think giving it back to the supporters and a lot of people that had played with my father. So my father played in the early 80s grand finals. So I wore his number when I went back there as well, the number 52. That's It uh, was a high, high yeah, number. That's a heavy number. Uh, uh, the son, my son, uh, my older son runs around in the VFL now wearing that number as well. That's awesome. So, so, so it had a lot of connections and, and everything I knew, was growing up Tommy was around the Jakarta football club and around the senior players there and you know that's where you know the first time I smelt the deep heat and all yeah. that type of stuff yeah, in, yeah, the, yeah, in yeah. the club rooms and you know the, the 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 one of the trainers walking around with the box of chewies yeah. and and stuff like that and getting the oil rubs and all those type of things and you know and then I was I was lucky enough to play there you know senior football there when I was 15 so it, it has a lot of memories and um you know, I, I enjoy going back there and some of the people back there are just beautiful people. And it had so much, that football club had so much of a foundation for my family and for my football as well. And, um, you know, a couple of uh, great players coming out of there, Bruce Stuhl, Scott Wine, Jose Romero, Ross Smith, uh, Paul Wine as well. Um,
0: you know, so, so it bred some uh, pretty good, uh, AFL footballers. Yeah, it's, uh, it's special, mate. I love hearing that. It's uh... Brings back memories as a young fella. Yeah, it's always an eye opener when you're 15. I think I played my first game at 15, just a top up game because yeah. we were playing TSC. Couple 16, and just the characters. I just I've never. You just you don't <laughs> meet many characters like a local footy club, especially the ones that have been there for a while. They sit there and tell some funny oh, tales.
1: Mate, they're unbelievable. And then these guys, some of these guys that I was playing with, told me when I was 15. They, they, all the days where they had the old, you know, and everyone's got them now. But tattoos—they, the guys just had tattoos all over them, and you know the Sammy Sam tattoos, all the, all these cartoon character tattoos. But, but the characters, uh, you know, we, we, we had this one guy, uh, Jerker, they called him. He was, uh, he was, he was tiny, but ran all day. Um, would take a hanger, uh, you know, wasn't wasn't a big man, but would take a hanger. And then there was a, there was a guy, Rodney Johnson. It was just fantastic within, um, the riddle. That was a riddle football league back in those days and um, he was an absolute superstar represented Riddle a number of times in a combined team I think he ended up going back and playing for Riddle uh, football club at some stage but that, that uh, Rodney Johnston and his family they were the foundations of the football club and he was certainly one of them
0: yeah brilliant man brilliant what about when we go back to the Fitzroy days talk to me about how you like how do you get picked up in um, like how did you get picked up and your years there? Talk to me about you. you know, you said don't worry about the, the three flags, don't forget the wooden spoons. but <laughs> yeah. let's talk about the yeah. bottom. Let's talk yeah. about the tough times and yeah. and the and the good times. I know we were talking off air about the functions afterwards and how you've really stuck together real tight as a group. I wanna really know um, more about Fitzroy.
1: Yeah, well Fitzroy itself, like when I when I first got drafted there, Tommy, that was it was quite strange because um for some reason oh, not not for some reason. The reason was that my my uncle, my uncle Ronnie was was a was a uh he was in the past players uh, uh association or something like that. And I went to a game of Victoria versus South Australia when Plugger and Tony Lockett uh, Tony Lockett and Jason Dunstall were lining up at full forward. I went there, my uncle took me to this state of origin game and he took me in at halftime to that function and then And then, you know, this is when I would have been about 11 11 years old and then six years later uh, my name got picked out as number seven in the 93 draft for Fitzroy and, and look, it was my wildest dream. So I wasn't on the draft radar uh, until probably – 3 months before that uh, as I came into the the TAC Cup I'd, I'd had the I had the blinder in the in the grand final which we spoke about but but to get my name called out as a top 10 draft pick uh, seven, a kid yeah. a kid from you know the northern suburbs um that really, um, you know, didn't like school. School didn't like me. I was always going to be a dropout. At uh, you know, uh, coming into it, but it was just a an opportunity for me to be able to for Fitzroy to give me an opportunity to be drafted and and go and play uh, was was outstanding. And you know, the first day I walked into the football club, I really did see that we were we were a fair bit behind. And I'd been to other football clubs because when you come back back in those days, there wasn't the combine, Tommy. There wasn't the combine. If a club wanted to look at you there'd be about over a six-week period that invite you to come and do testing at each club and you got to see some of the other football clubs and, and what I've seen, Fitzroy never invited me. They didn't even think yeah. I'd be there to uh, to be able to be picked. So I never got to Fitzroy but I got to some other clubs and, and seeing the difference between the administration and, and the setup in the, each football club was just huge. Fitzroy were, were so far behind. Um, you know, you walked into their social club uh, just down at Northcote uh, at the end of Brunswick Street there, the Obie the, the and Charles Hotel. And, you know, that was the whole football club there in a pub scenario. Uh, you know, Level 2 was the whole administration um, and they were trying to make money through selling alcohol and obviously pokies and all that. And, and that was a massive eye-opener. And, you know, you go upstairs, you could smell the grog coming up through <laughs> the floor and everything else as well. But 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 lovely people there. Um, and w- once I got there, I sort of realised that um, that we didn't have a lot that other clubs hadn't. Uh, were based at Lakeside Oval at the time, um, you know, again, right next to a nightclub, uh, right next to our club rooms as well. So, you know, there wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really the the ideal scenario for, an, for a professional uh, football club to be in. And, um, you know, the, the the people there, my first coach was Robert Shaw um, and, and then uh, Bernie Quinlan came along. Um, in my first three years, I had three different coaches: Robert Shaw, Bernie Quinlan, and McNolan. Um, and then in that last year, McNolan, halfway through the merge, got announced, and uh, we were heading up to to Brisbane. We well, almost looked like we we're heading to North Melbourne, which was pretty good. I was staying home, but then ended up there. But but great times, you know. Some you know had Paul Ruse there. Uh, Ross Line, uh, Rossi was Rossi was my big brother at the time when I first got there, so he put me underneath his wing. And you know the likes of you know Peter Satori w- was there, an old Carlton champ. Um, they had a lot of recycled players. Uh, Jeff Hogg even come and played for a little yeah. bit, but uh, but there were some superstars that had been around for a long, long time that you got to see up and close and personal, which I never thought I would. And then one day I'm, I'm sitting at the Fitzroy Football Club at Lakeside Oval, uh, number two uh, right next to me, number one is Paul Ruse. You know, one of the one of the best halfback footballers to go around uh, to this day. Um, look, there were great times, but uh, as a young kid. Uh, I guess coming into my second year, Tommy, we'd go, we'd get the training and um, we moved our venues uh, uh, in the second year. We end up, uh, our training venue end up being from Lakeside to Coburg Oval um, and there were times that you were rocking up there at Coburg Oval and, and, the, and the gates were locked um, and we hadn't paid our bills and we didn't have anywhere to train. They wouldn't let us in. And, wow. and basically we would have to find a bit of grass somewhere in the local area of Coburg uh, in a park and, and do a bit of foot skills um, or go and hire out a basketball hall just to get in there and do some handballing, um, you know, through through different times. But there was, there was never, you know, there was always times that you'd rock up the training and you know all the cameras would be there, uh, seven, nine, ten, talking about the clubs. At the end, uh, we're going to oh, fold. Just so,
0: bashing the club. Oh, yeah. bashing
1: the club down and, and trying to work out what was going on and and who was responsible for it. I guess, but but th- that would happen at least you know in one season. That had happened at least over a dozen times. Was that
0: a bit much as a young fella? Like you're trying to you're just trying to get in the team and play good footy mm. and win games of footy and and all this other stuffs going on and. Also, like, when you go to grounds and they're locked, like, what were you thinking? Mate, well, you're thinking, is this
1: the AFL system? Yeah. Is, is, this, is this what I'm walk- – I'm pretty sure it's not what every other, uh, you know, guy who got drafted in the 93 draft yeah. is going and through. there's
0: no phone, so you can't just pick up – Exactly. Probably, you can't just pick it up and go, hey, exactly. brother, you, you're dealing with this as well. It's kind of yeah. like you got to wait till you're running. you are running
1: to yeah, game day or, or after the games. But, but certainly uh, for us, it was – uh, for myself and and probably Jared Malloy who was there and all the new draftees uh, uh, was a, was a massive shock because you you've been the picture has been painted as an AFL footballer that you're going to get a lot of benefits and you know life's going to be great and all this type of stuff and then all of a sudden you're at a football club and. You know, everywhere you look in the newspapers, on the news, they're talking about being folded. And, and then, as a footballer, you're thinking, "Well, am I going a cl- Am I, I going to have a club next year? Oh, am I going to yeah. have a contract next year?" Yeah. So, uh, it really, and and then that that was for a young person. But if you imagine an older an, an person, an older person that was in that scenario that has a mortgage and kids, has kids yeah. and all this type of stuff, it was quite uh, it was quite taxing at, at times. And then you've got to perform on the weekend yeah. as well at the same time with not the same. Uh, I guess. Talent, I, I would say, talent, and the same facilities, and we all know facilities can help you perform on the weekend, and we certainly didn't have that.
0: Um, how many games did you win at Fitzroy? Oh,
1: geez, Tommy, that's a tough one. I reckon in, uh, I reckon in the first, I don't reckon it'd be more than a dozen games. Do you remember over, some over wins? Three. Like whether oh, I remember, remember the first game, the first win, I remember that, uh, and I remember the big one at uh, against Fremantle um, at, uh, at at Whitnall, where Anthony Malintin kicked six. Uh, I had my hand in a couple, Nick Carter, uh, dominated uh, in the midfield. I think he got the three votes that day, the three Brownlow votes. But that one there was was our last win, the last win ever for, for Troy Football Club against a team that was probably still trying to find themselves as well it was Fremantle. Um, it was a huge day. It what was, year was that? Uh, that would have been 96. So that would have been, uh, yes,
0: yeah, so they only just started 94, Yeah, yeah. so we, we
1: were finishing up at the end of the year. So, yeah. so I don't know whether we knew at that time whether the whether the merge had been announced. I don't think it had been. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was the last. Last win at Fitzroy and and that win there, I remember so much. It was, you,
0: the social club would have been going. Uh, off. the social club. Well,
1: even like they actually had to, people would, after the game. The, you know how they used to run on the yeah. ground. You, you go back and look at the vision, and um, it's played on Foxtel every now and then as well over the over the summertime. And and all the crowd, all the supporters, they just they just charge the change rooms. They all just got in the change rooms and were singing theme songs with us and everything. <laughs> some some randoms got in and uh, it was it was absolutely mayhem there. But it was to see the joy on their face. And if you go back and I've gone back and looked a few times and had a look at it, it's just that. And you see some of the old faces. You still see some of these people now. How how joyful they were at that yeah. time. And. And the player part in that sort of sort of sits pretty well with me, um, and I think it sits well with the rest of the group as well. And um, it was it was a good day. It was a, it was a wet, cold day. Not weather wasn't great, but uh, certainly for the football club, it was outstanding.
0: Nah, it's good, mate. It's good to re- reflect on those little little wins, as we'd yep. say. And as you know, around the corner, there's there's plenty of success. So it's um, it's good that you did the hard yards <laughs> early early days. Um, what about the? So actually, one more question. Who was responsible for the club probably going, you know, that far backwards? Like, not—it's no. never one person, I'd imagine. No. But like, did they ever get to the the, the journalists ever scoop out a name, no. or did they ever no. write articles on why the club had to fold?
1: Not, not that I can remember, Tom. I, I think, I think when when I'd, I'd got there, I think the club was already in a a, a fair bit, a fair bit of debt already. Um, I think the AFL kept topping up, topping up, topping up. And I think it was to the, uh, the the expansion to to the AFL where they wanted to bring in other teams uh, from interstate, yeah. so the Crows, uh, Port as well, um, and all those type of teams. So so you sort of knew that there was there there had to be one less. Uh, uh, for the future of the competition, they had to get rid of one club here to make it an even competition nationally. So um, I'm not too sure whether there was anyone directly responsible. I think it was uh, probably an administration uh, collectively of of not having things right and things in place as what they should have. Um, you know, maybe player payments, uh, you know. And a lot of players didn't get paid a lot. Uh, you know, if you looked at Fitzroy, I wouldn't have thought they'd pay the the you know their outlay for players would have been anywhere near say your Collingwood's, Carlton's and Essendon's, but but still at various different times we're very competitive. Uh, mm. You know through those probably last seven or eight years, but but certainly the last three years uh, we we
0: weren't competitive at all. Do you think all this hardness at the start shaped you to become such a successful player? Or you're always going to be successful, but there's, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that definitely help having that um, that tough start?
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it certainly drove me. It certainly it gave me the drive within myself. Um, I I looked at it and, and said to myself, didn't want to be there. So, so if you think about it, Tommy, my first four years of football, I was involved in, as we joked about in the in the opener, involved in three wooden spoons and. And at that stage there, mate, yeah, I'm looking at myself in in 1997 thinking to myself, is it me? Is it me? I, I start looking internally to myself and go, is it me? Am I the reason why this football club or my football success is just being woeful because If you go, again, if you go back and have a look, in 96, the Brisbane Bears made a prelim, although they went deep into the finals, I'm pretty sure, and then we merged with them and then we end up being uh, the the rabble of the competition. We end up finishing last in the ladder again. Um, So I had two two at Fitzroy, uh, last, uh, finishing on the bottom, and then my first year in the merge uh, at Brisbane, we finished last in the ladder. And then I started looking in myself and going, am I the issue, am I the problem, and and, and, and then you just start getting the work a little bit. And I, and I think all the hard times and then the success that we had later on uh, once uh, Lee came and Gubby Allen came and started to put a real good uh, team list together, I think I, there was no doubt at times I look back uh, within games and go – I've done it hard. These are the times now that I've got to really, really enjoy because, again, it flips around pretty quickly as well depending on, you know, your recruitment and, and how well the club does in, you know, moving your list around as well. But but I would look back and say that whole Fitzroy experience really set me up for the success and, and making sure that I knew that when we were good, taking every opportunity that I possibly
0: could. Yeah, it's well said, brilliantly said. Let's talk about the glory days because <laughs> they were amazing. Like that was when I was at my peak of a, of a fan. Like I yeah, was, yeah, you know, yeah, I would have been yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten, and I'm just lived and breathed. Forty, yeah. I was S- grew up, I grew up barracking for Essendon. Yeah, right. So I got the '99 heartbreak. I got the 2000 where they won, and then it, and then I remember I think it was 20, 2001 when you guys um, smashed Essendon. Uh, but then you just you just couldn't get beat. But you were just such a power powerhouse and all the players are so likeable. There were so many stars on every, you know, every line. It was just the team you had, like, do you still, even now I was thinking about <laughs> driving in, half the AFL coaches are from yeah, your team. Yeah, like what's yeah. it like being a part of such a successful team and no doubt a great bunch of blokes?
1: Oh, absolutely. The, the, the mateship that we've got there and we've, we've only just had a reunion up in Brisbane a few, few weeks ago now. Uh, with the Hall of Fame and then attached was the hall of F- uh was the um was the reunion but but the whole um I guess being in those in those scenarios Tommy is some at, at the time at the time you don't realize it but certainly now you start to look back and uh once you're retired and go geez, I was very fortunate very lucky to be sitting next to uh, you know a guy of Mel Michael stature a guy of Justin Lepage, uh Marcus Ashcott Chris Scott Brad Scott, you know in that back line Daryl White um you sort of sit back and scratch yourself, and 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 it all came down to those two gentlemen who I mentioned before, in Lee Matthews and Graham Allen. They came to the football club, and they were absolutely, uh, you know, bringing a, a group of people with them, or themselves, but certainly bringing in other listed players from other clubs to top it up such as Jamel Michaels, uh, Martin Pikes and mm-hmm. these types. So they had that vision and they looked at the list and obviously seen what was there but but some of the superstars that I was next to was just uh, at training and, and you see these guys, you see Michael Voss and Simon Black going head to head, you know, doing 400s 800s and they wouldn't give up and, and then all of a sudden, you know within another half an hour we're doing skills one-on-ones and then they're going head to head again so, you know, you just seen the way they They brought the training level up and the the standards up and and I think everyone followed. Everyone followed and the one thing that always sticks in my mind is how Lee had just made the game just sound so simple. Uh, It was almost like, you know, we've spoken about – Ron Barassi uh, over the last couple of couple of days in, in his passing, but some of his messaging is something similar. To what Lee was saying is around do it my way, and if my way doesn't work, we'll do it your way, and uh, I can guarantee you my way will work. And and that's the way he was. He he, he made the game very very simple, but. But you look at, you know, you know, you then you even look down forward as well. Um, you know, I mentioned some of the back line, the midfielders, but then you've got Jonathan Brown and you've got Alice Limpson, you've got Jason Ackermanis, uh, Luke Power. You know, there's this, there, there's just, uh, Stars I guess, there's everywhere. talent on every line. And, um, you know, we, we added some you know, Brad Scott came into our side. We we got him from Hawthorne, he came up to be with his brother as well. They played a real vital role within the football team. Um, you know, Brad could Brad would put his hand up and say he wasn't the most skillful player going around, but he could do a job and he could actually shut someone down and then utilise the ball afterwards. And you know, you look at him and you look at a guy like Sean Hart, who's the the ultimate teammate that would sacrifice everything for you for his teammate um to, to be able to be the best player the the ground, and, and that's what you needed to look at, and you know that those those years, mate, we 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 were just, you know, um, it came actually really when we started to understand our success and who we were it was after a game up at the Gabba. I think it was mid round, a uh, mid season, um, where Essendon had come off the premiership. They hadn't lost a game, and Lee went with the uh, with the theme: "If it bleeds, we can kill it." Out of the predator. So um, he watched this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lee was watching a movie around Predator and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and um, he 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 determined that the the Essendon Football Club was the predator, and we were Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Lee showed a bit of vision um, from a couple of weeks beforehand, and showing where Essen could bleed. And he replayed that, and he showed us and then at the end of the meeting one day you had Arnold Schwarzenegger up there came up had the highlights going on and then it came up and said uh the, the, the actual the clip from the movie if it bleeds we can kill it and I don't know I won't try and do the accent yes, cuz I'll be yeah. terrible at yeah, it we both and will. uh and everyone was like wow and then he started going on about it and going on about it and then we came into that uh, game against Essendon, and they'd been haven't been uh, I think they I hadn't lost a game and Know, they were on a like a nineteen or twenty game winning streak or something, and until that time, that's when we realised that we can beat any team.
0: What was the what was what was the footage? Can you remember? Like, what was the uh, what was he putting up there? Yeah,
1: I, I think he was putting up with a with. A, I think there was some footage around players disputing each other or or a bit of discussion between players. Um, I think there was some some vision of. Of some opposition forwards going up against the defenders at Essendon and and showing that they are not that good. Yep. We can we actually got their measure. Um, so if I can remember that they that were, that were probably two, and he probably showed about three or four other uh, scenarios as well. And um, you know that really he made us believe. He made us believe that we could beat this team uh, that had been uh, premiers in two thousand and had had a winning streak. And um, and we um, we come up against them, obviously in the O one Grand Final, and there was a, there was a bit of stories around people, uh, you know, the the John Barneses and stuff, and putting uh, tape around their arms because we had the we're using uh, IV drips and stuff like that to recover and all these type of things. So there was a couple of little niggles uh, behind the scenes that that Essendon players were having at us. So um, no, it was a I, I I can't sort of you know you look back and you just even at the reunion you, you look at the photos and. You just think that these guys were superstars that that are sitting to your left and your right.
0: Yeah, the backline group—it's it, 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 or the whole the whole field—it's—it's. It's, and was there was there many injuries? Like you guys look like you know just—I mean—it's a quick snapshot right now, yeah, but yeah. just felt like the same team was always on the park. Yeah,
1: we had we had a few injuries. Um, I think coming into the oh4 oh uh, oh but but you know the the famous one is is obviously Nigel Appen with his with his bruise, his fractured ribs and. Um, and everything, it, what was going on there? But Tommy, it wasn't. Uh, it was very, very common to walk into the medical room and to see at least seven, anywhere from seven to a dozen needles lined up with local anaesthetic um, to be to be jabbed into boys before. Um, and even at halftime of the games, and uh, you know it was quite it was quite surreal because they weren't really massive injuries; they were more sort of, uh, or they weren't soft tissue injuries; they were just joint injuries and AC stuff. Joints yeah, and, all those yeah. little bits and pieces. So. So through through the through the years we we went through and um, you know using a lot of local anaesthetic where which you were allowed to use back in those days. I'm not too sure whether you're allowed to use them. I think anymore. you can still use them now. You still yeah. use them now. Yeah. Um, uh, so so we we would have a lot of uh, yeah a lot of that stuff going on and um and it was just to get guys through and then and then what would happen getting guys through. Um, you couldn't, um, you couldn't then um, train during the week because you'd be that sore. Um, I remember my AC joints. So through through the whole early two thousands, I had terrible AC joints. Had them cleaned out, but they just kept coming back. I remember, you know, going through seasons, um, not being able to. If a ball was above my head, I'd just leave it. I just leave it. If nothing was on my chest. I wouldn't even bother to put my yeah, arms. You can't up. lift grab, your arms. You can't even lift them up. So, uh, and and you save all that energy for game day. But um, but yeah, our medical staff were just fantastic in getting us over the line. But yeah, there were a few injuries along the way. Um, we're coming into O three and O four, uh, you know we had uh, we had Brownie limping in. We had Sean Hart, uh, Brad Daniel Bradshaw missed one of the premierships. Um, you know, Nigel Lappin, who we talk about as well. Um, I think one year, uh, uh, potentially, Clark Keating wasn't there. Uh, Bo McDonald as well. So there were injuries there, but we, we had a good list to come up. We, we'd we actually built a good foundation within the Queensland Footy League with our uh, Lion Cubs, our, our reserve team, and and everyone was playing at a standard that, you know, as soon as, as, soon as someone fell over, we had, we had the next person to come in that could actually fulfil them.
0: Yeah. What, I wanted to ask you about Jason Akermanis because <laughs> he's uh, he's he's a character clearly, yep. and and from the out this is an opinion from the outside looking in, they always look like he was causing a bit more distraction. For the group, just being that um, I guess ahead of his time, to be honest. He was if yeah. he had the if he had the Instagram back then, yeah. he'd be famous, I reckon, because he he was uh he was always on the footy show and everyone knew him and he was so good to watch and a little bit controversial. Um what was he like inside the club and what are your fondest memories?
1: I, I love what you said there, Tommy. He he was ahead of the game. He was he the stuff that we're doing now, he was doing that in the early 2000s, but there was there was no platforms for him. He actually worked he, him and Craig McRae done a, ra- just do a radio segment on a Monday night, um, coming out of Brisbane, out of Murray Country, uh, the National Indigenous Radio Service, and and that had a massive following because in Queensland there was no there was no footy content like there was no you couldn't jump on Insta you couldn't jump on the you couldn't get footy content only if you were uh, you had Foxtel or you had pay per view uh, on a Friday or a Saturday night. And Jason and, and Craig McRae, they'd done this radio, an hour radio segment uh, while they were still playing, and it was fantastic. It had this massive following through uh, north uh, through the southeast Queensland, um, and he was well ahead of his time. And, look, the way uh, that I can explain Jason is that he was a fantastic footballer. Without him, I, I wouldn't be a, a three-time premiership player, um, and obviously it takes up a lot of different individuals to be able to get across the line at the end of the day. But certainly he was outspoken and spoke his mind, and wanted to. He was thinking more life after football, more life. What, what was going to happen with Jason Akermanis after football? He loves his fast cars. He loves his fast motorbikes. He runs fast himself. He can kick left or right. You don't know matter. You don't. You can't even tell which one is his preferred footies when he kicks it. But but Jace, where Jace got himself caught up was that. He was in the media, and he was regurgitating a lot of the stuff that we were talking about within the inner sanctum into the newspapers and in in the media and stuff. Which, which Lee and a few of the other people within the football club who were running it thought it wasn't a great image for our younger group to be able to see what was actually happening and how he was doing it and how he was sort of sort of going crazy in the, in the terms of just saying everything he, he possibly could say, but. But Jason McAmanis is a person, a lovely person um, who, who will who will do anything for you. Um, you know, yes, when it comes to his individual performance, he'll do whatever it takes to be better than the next person, very competitive person. Um, but his football ability just stands above anyone else in crucial times and uh, you know, he, he, he went from a back pocket, a lot of people forget about this, that he went from being a best and fairest uh, winner with Jason Akamonis, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Murray and Roger Merritt, medalist, um, uh, in, in the back pocket with uh, with Lepper uh, to going into the midfield and going to the forward line and, and being one of the most lethal uh, half forward flankers, midfielders going around ever. Um,
0: yeah, I didn't even I didn't even know that he played back pocket. Yeah, yeah, hey.
1: he was a back pocket. So the year he went back pocket. So he was always a forward. And I think Lee put him to the back fo- back pocket one year. And fuck me, he was he was that good in terms of his speed and his ability to hit targets. Which him going to the forward line, the midfield, opened up a spot for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all right. So it was all right. So I was never going to get to Jace's uh, level. But uh, but uh, as a football, we 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 couldn't have done what we had done without him and we knew that having the ball in his hands um and and him using the ball going forward or him having the ball inside forward 50 there was only a only a few outcomes that were going to happen I'll either kick the goal or set up someone within yeah, uh, within efficient, scoring yeah, range be efficient yeah forward, forward, no, half. he's he's a good guy he's a good guy and, he, and he's probably misunderstood a fair bit as well so yeah. um, I get along well with jace
0: now, that's why I thought I'd bring it up um there is a lot of people that have Yeah, as I said, they just read one article and that's what they think of them. What about the handstand? Because I, as a kid, (laughs) like I used to almost cheer on Brisbane. If F. Acid weren't playing, because I just wanted yeah. to see the handstand. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean how dumb yeah, that yeah, shit yeah, is. Yeah, like yeah, as a kid, yeah, you just yeah. go. I just want him to win <laughs> so I can see the handstand. And like clearly everyone did. Like they used to oh, love the it. Caba loved it. But like what were the because bo- I oh, we've been in a changing before. Like yeah, yeah, there yeah, yeah. must have been a few young have a look yeah. at this guy go. Like <laughs> oh, him, yeah. a there bit was... of me time. But he was obviously he had a cult following. In oh, the, yeah. And they and you know used said what was what was going on there? Did you boys ever get stuck into him? Oh,
1: we ripped him ripped him heaps of time. And you know we'd say it's all about you. I can come on Alfie, come on brother. Because <laughs> we called him brother, but he, he had a few different nicknames. But we go, come on, brother, go and do your handstand. Because he hung, he hung around our us Indigenous boys a little bit as well. So, um, so a lot of people used to say, oh, you're one of the brothers now. And uh, so we used to call him brother, brother, and and um, and uh, yeah. So we'd, we'd we'd always take the piss out of him, and say, come on, do it, even if we're out. Come on, brother, get up the stage, do a handstand. If we're at a function or something like that. And, he'd do and it, it, no, he it? No, sometimes he would, not sometimes he wouldn't. But but what it done? It, it brought a new. He uh, it, it was great for Southeast Queen football. Uh, it brought a new following. Uh, like yourself like yeah, you just said, like kids kids will kids will love it. He was well ahead it was of like the a game. WWE wrestler. And, but the one year the one year that he that he probably shouldn't have done it is when he was playing at the Bulldogs. And he come up, they bet us, and he had done the handstand at the go He rubbed it into us. Oh, <laughs> he, that's brilliant! Oh, he rubbed it they into us. He would have been about yeah, that all yeah, year, yeah. though. And and then that, that that was the thing. We had to make a stance at one stage and and move Jason um, as a collective. And you know, we thought that some of the stuff that he was doing, which we'll talk, we talked, we spoke about earlier, around some of the stuff that he was coming at the media and saying that wasn't good for the young kids and it wasn't good for the young group coming through. And and so we had a collective decision that um, it was it was, and, and we've spoken. To him a few times about it, uh, but there was a collective decision that we needed to move move him on, and um, and that was uh, you know Lee's and, and Gray Melon's decision at the end.
0: Yeah, and that decision was yeah was that more leadership group or was that just the was that just more Lee? Yeah, it was a bit of a
1: mixture, a bit of a mixture. Yeah, just get a and, feel. And, of yeah, it. get a feel. And um, how did you he know? receive that? Yeah, well, he did. Look, it's not great being being sort of outed by by your football club. Yeah. Um, I think he didn't receive it well. Um, but what about but, now? But, but like, now, now it's fine. He understand? I reckon there was there was a probably a period of two to three years. Um, you know, uh, probably after after he'd finished and he retired, uh, that was a bit bitter. But but he then came to reunions. He came to functions. There was a couple of years where he probably didn't come to functions and stuff like that. But yeah. But that's all under the under the bridge now, and we've yep. all moved on. And um, I was actually sat next to him and his wife uh, uh, at the last uh, function that we had, which is which was great to catch up with him and. It was, it was
0: beautiful. Josh Dunkley, who obviously we're Dunks. good mates with, then, he, yeah. was, he was obviously at the function. He was yeah. telling because we asked him, what have you been doing, brother? And he goes, oh, we had that big function. And I said, well, all the past players there, he goes, mate, every single one of them. <laughs> I go, mate, there's royalty everywhere. He goes, mate, it was unbelievable. And it's it's a, it, like, you know, it, it was amazing. I saw a few photos, like you said. We haven't even spoken about the midfield, but, yep. mate, the midfield, it – it's, it's one of the greatest midfields of all time.
1: Oh, the, well, they, they call him the awesome four. I don't know. They called him the Fab Four, I think it was. It was Black, Voss, Akamanis, and, and Lappin in it. And, and, and you sort of miss. Uh, Power as well. Yeah. There's, yeah, like, there's, Luke, there's more Luke than four. gets missed out of it. Yeah. Luki was a pinch hitter. When Luki would come in, um, when, when any of those four weren't getting the ball, Luki'd come in. Luki was Luke was almost like a, 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 you know, he'd just fill positions. He, he was a forward pocket. He'd come down, but he could fit in. Anywhere and that midfield group, mate, it was just unbelievable. But yeah, going back to Dunks and I'd coached Dunks at, uh, at AIS Academy and, and got to know him really, really well. So pleased he's at the football club. He's been fantastic for the football club. But I seen him on the night as well, and uh, he was oh, all smiles and yeah. everything else. He was he was right up the front too. So he, he was in. Um, I think he might have been on Lee's table, one of the one of the sponsors table as well. But but that group that we've got now at, at the club and what they're about to embark on the next couple of weeks, well. Get over, get, get over the last hurdle here uh, coming into this week. But, um, but yeah, he's been great for the football club. Yeah. Outstanding. But, yeah, he was, you could see he was pretty happy oh. being in the room. And, and all the boys too, like a, a big ask for them. It was, it was their week off and um, they were asked to come to a function midweek and, and not be able to get on the turps or anything with us boys and, you know, Pikey was leading the charge there. There a few of us were, were really full by the time the, the <laughs> night was halfway through. So they had to put up with a couple of our uh, our, our our bullshit stories back in the our <laughs> back day. In our days, our, days, yeah. This although, is how this is how we rolled and they are giving some hard truths as well. Yeah. But but the guys who got inducted really, really gave great encouragement to the group that were in the room. And um and and I think that would mean a lot from them, you know, being a being a, a reunion night of twenty years. Back uh, back twenty years ago, beating Collingwood, and some of the messages that some of the guys who who were up there, you know, you had you had uh, Brownie inducted as a as a legend, uh, Simon Black, and they had some really good words to say to the playing group there. Fags wasn't in the room; he's obviously down here for the All Australian, and uh, and so was Charlie. So um, he was the only guy I wanted to catch up with Charlie, and he wasn't there. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, Charlie, well, he'll be around soon. You'll see a fair bit of him. He's a good man, Charlie. Ah, it's good there, but the, a great bunch of lads, the Brizzy Boys, and um. And, and to have all you guys, I think that function is really important because you don't want to you don't want to isolate the past players and the, and the reunions, bringing it all together. I think that's smart. Regardless if the players can't have a beer, they've got bigger and you know yeah. they've got they're obviously in finals and they're doing great things. So um, they'll they'll no doubt they should actually move that to the postseason. I reckon yeah. that would be yeah. a really
1: well, well. Tell me what they do. They they alternate each year. So one year it's in Melbourne, one year it's in Brisbane. But obviously with the COVID. Um, we weren't able to do a couple of the inductions, so it was a long night. Really there was about ten inductions, oh, a few, lot of speeches. Oh, a <laughs> speeches.
0: And you know what? Like <laughs> each person has to do the speech, yeah, and the, yeah. you know you got to thank everyone. Yeah. But, but when it's the same speech for just different people by <laughs> the end of it, you're snoring, <laughs> oh, aren't you? I give us a spell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I reckon the best speech would be just play me highlights yeah, yeah, and just yeah, I'll yeah. thank everyone. Actually, and not-
1: what was really good? Uh, we had uh, Anthony Hudson up there, emceeing uh, it, or compounding it, or yeah. c- comparing it, and. Uh, and uh, he was—he uh, got in about two questions into Martin Pike because Pikey got inducted, and Pikey was like, "All right, hello, I've got it from here." Push Hutto off <laughs> to the side, side of the stage, and then uh, Pikey—he uh, he went for the next five minutes, and then he got stuck. He goes, "Hello, you can come back and ask me a question now." <laughs> so yeah, so he- it was a good—it
0: was a good night. It was a really good night. It was an outstanding night. Really enjoyed it. That's awesome. I—I've um, been doing these quick fire questions, <laughs> and I just thought I just just reminded me. I wanted to bring them up. So quick fire. This is just. F- fun of mind, and it's yep. going to be about your teammates, all right, and uh, a few other things. So, most talented teammate you ever played with? Oh, Darrell White, without a
1: doubt. Darrell White, absolute superstar. Uh, could could kick torpedo goals from the boundary line. Uh, I watched him as a young kid on a on a Sunday after, afternoon, sitting in the laundry, mum and dad, when he was playing for the Brisbane Bears. I think he kicked goal a year when he was about eighteen years old. Um, and then I got the I got the opportunity to be. Uh, playing beside him, and he's probably one of my best mates.
0: Oh, that's, and he, he loves his basketball as well. Yeah, well, he, he? he's
1: got his kids all playing basketball. Yeah. So we got uh, you got Daryl, uh, Daryl now Daryl Junior. Uh, uh, he's with the Lions in on a rookie B category, but he'd been over overseas in the states playing uh, college, college ball, ah. and, and then came, and now he's got uh, uh, William. Uh, uh, his son William now plays for the New Zealand Breakers uh, has done for a couple of years now and go. he's just got another contract there I'm oh, pretty that's sure brilliant. we and love that that's that's two of his eight
0: kids oh he's, <laughs> eight. he's got oh, eight he'd kids. Be a busy man wouldn't he <laughs> uh, he does it well DJ oh well done <laughs> hey that's a great effort who's the toughest teammate you played with
1: Oh, it'd have to be, um, it'd have to be Vossi the way he goes about it. Like, uh, he, he, his ability to to enforce himself on a contest and and you know line the ball up and just go through and hit blokes hard. Mate, he's uh, a big, he
0: was like I watched his highlight. There's a few, few of his highlights are popping up now. That the Blues are going yeah. so well, and um, he was a big like big strong body. Like it it, was huge. if he was to hit you at pace, mate, as you see, there's a famous clip where I think it's Alan Richardson got absolutely yeah, smoked, but. Yeah. Yeah, Vossi's a – That was in his young
1: days. That was in his young days. That was, he would have been – he probably would have been 20, 21 then. And but, Vossie uh, was
0: fit. Like he could run all day, couldn't he, He, he could well? run all
1: day. The way he trained, what he'd done behind closed doors was just uh, – it just amazed me. And I spoke about it earlier around him and him and Simon Black, you know, trying to beat each other in, you know, 400, 500, all these running things that he could actually run. And, and you've got to remember, he had that tr- uh, r- horrific injury over in Fremantle where he broke his leg. mm and I reckon he missed about a year and a half of footy through that, and he he got back from that, and he came back stronger and better uh, from that, but a hard man i i I reckon I had a couple of times where I went on one on ones with him uh at training and had no chance so he, had Too no strong. Chance. he just push you straight off yeah, wow.
0: that's um yeah it's it's great to see him going well it was it's he he looks like from the outside looking i've never really met him. But he learnt so much from the probably the, not the failures, the learnings early days as a coach, and you can see he's got a real diff. Like he just even the way when Carlton were going pretty average and they were um getting knocked in the media, he still had that calmness about him. Where he did. where he did. you're like I, I still reckon the media. I because I was I'm a big believer of Carlton. I've said yeah. it for three years. I thought last year they were stiff. This year they're doing everything I thought, and probably doing it against the grain a little bit coming from fifteenth. Um, after round 15 or whatever it was. But, um, yeah, I really like watching him go about it, and I hope he does do well because he looks like a good fella.
1: He's a good man, Vossi. Yeah, great man. And, 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 and some of those, like, if we spoke, when we spoke about my time at Fitzroy, he was at the Bears, and they were getting thumpings when he was 17 years of age. And, and, and then, yes, he got probably got into coaching a little bit too soon, Came, uh, left the game, went into the media, then back into coaching, and then he learned a lot of stuff. But the good thing that he put his hand up about is that he went and put himself... Under a great coach in uh, Kenny Hinkling mm. for, for a long time over in uh, Port Adelaide, and he's learned so much and 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 it's been able to trust others, and you can see that he's that he's involving other people, and obviously lucky Powers down there with him as well. So he's got some he's got some mates that he knows and uh, that he knows how to how to go about things. But certainly at the moment, you see him co- he, he actually looks a more calm and relaxed coach this year, even though. By round five, everyone was calling for his oh, head. But, they but go they, quick. But they, they stuck to their guns. They stuck
0: to their guns. Yeah. And look what he's done. He's turned them around. Nah, it's brilliant. There you go. Toughest it's is bossy. So, it's
1: not a quick five, is it, Tommy? Nah, nah. <laughs> smartest.
0: Because your teammates are so interesting, we can keep elaborating. <laughs> smartest footballer? Uh, smartest footballer. I'd have to put down,
1: down uh, Simon Black for that. Simon Black. Very, 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 very smart in the way. You know, left footer. Uh, the ability to run. The ability for him to hit, hit the contest at speed. Hit the contest at speed and be clean as anything. Um, that's what you mean in smart in terms of smarter yeah, yeah, football. Yeah. yeah. So um, you know he's ability to to run through uh, contests and just to just knowing where the ball's going to be all the time. He was just so
0: smooth. It's. Um. It, th- 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 I know this is quick fire questions, but I actually get rid of the quick fire. <laughs> Let's keep going like this because this is good for people listening, especially mm. the younger guys that are really interested in these players. They're, they're the best to ever do it. So. Even then I was just thinking hitting the contest at pace, you don't – you don't get taught that a lot as a nah, young fella, like nah. you know, yeah, yeah, be clean and all that. But being able to be clean, like Lockie Neal's really good yeah, at it. I think yep, he can really yep. pick the ball up and hit a contest at pace. Yeah, um, yeah. So Blackie and yeah, his skills out of yeah, a contest. He's a, a brown medalist. Yeah, and
1: he's he's that for a reason. And some of the stuff that he he would do out on that football field would like I'd sit back. I'd had the best seat. In oh, the house. you got the box office. No, no, no sit in the back one, <laughs> right? I know. It's either Black, Ackermanis, Voss, or, or Power, or even Lappin's going to win the football. Football, I could sit twenty meters off my opponent, <laughs> <laughs> twenty meters off my opponent, and not worry about it as a yeah. defender, and and just get in a real aggressive position.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then they go, geez, he reads the fly well, Johnson. <laughs> 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 Bit of pressure on the ball, no doubt. What about your funniest teammate? Who's the, like in the locker room that just oh. used to make you laugh every day?
1: Mate, there, there, there's one guy that just made not just me but the whole the whole footy club. Uh, and you just you just wonder where does he come up with these ideas? <laughs> <that he thought? laughs> Uh, Mel Michael. Mel Michael. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't he's have get, that. He's got the best sense of humour. Sometimes it can be dry. Sometimes it can be pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, he was he was someone that always kept you on your toes and you weren't too sure what was going to happen. And so, M- Mel, in terms of funny practices, you know, he'd always play pranks and he was lactose intolerant, um, Mel, and uh, we would uh, have our team meetings on, on almost every Tuesday morning and um, probably about a half an hour before the meeting, Mel would walk around drinking a carton of milk, just walk around, just showing everyone (laughs) a carton of milk. So, so we'd be in the meeting and he'd be dropping some. So, it'll all just go straight through him and and we'd see him, and and he'd do it every couple of weeks and then we'd go, oh shit, we're in for a big meeting. (laughs) And it'd be, normally it'd be after a pretty good, he'd know that. Yeah, you know, it'd be going to be a short meeting because he, he'd need to run that at all pretty quick <laughs> after it. But but Mel was a Mal was a classic, very funny man, and uh, he was a real good guy. To really write. forceful.
0: He's yeah. one of the biggest units I've ever seen. I reckon, yeah. like on he was, TV. He's probably
1: the way I look at it. I reckon he was unlucky to be uh, you know all Australian on a few occasions. I thought he was out out by far. The best full-back up against, obviously, Matty Scarlett was around those days, and there was a few others. But I thought he was a bit harshly dealt with uh, over those times that we were. Um, you know, we we had, I think, one year we may have had five or or four in the in the All Australian group, and and unfortunately for Mel Mel missed out on a few times. But mm. but a funny man.
0: Oh yeah, that's great. I didn't I didn't think it would follow be him on
1: Twitter. He's quite funny. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't
0: use that's a one app I don't really use. But what's it called now? Yeah,
1: X. What is it? X. Yeah, X is it? There you yeah, go. Yeah, there you
0: yeah. go. It's it's uh, it's all changing. Who's the most underrated player that you played with? You spoke oh. about, you know, Lucky Power doesn't get mentioned yeah, a bit, but anyone yeah. else that kind of flew under the radar and just yeah. dominated? Daniel Bradshaw. Yeah. Daniel Bradshaw. Uh
1: you know, Daniel Bradshaw really got he was in the shadows of probably Lynchy and and uh, and Brownie at times. Um, you know, if if Daniel Bradshaw uh was leading out at full forward, I'd have no hesitations in kicking it to him. His ability um to, to work over his opponent. Um Outside 50, outside 50, I'd put my house on him to uh, have a shot on goal and kick the goal as well. I thought he was just underneath – I don't think he was underrated by us, but I think he was just under the shadow of two quality uh, forwards that had been very uh, in the limelight for a long, long time – he, he, he came, and a lot of people forget, he came and played that State of Origin game here where it was Victoria versus the All-Star, the last State of Origin, played centre-half back on like Buddy Franklin and a few others and kept them pretty well held uh, all, mm. all night. Um He's certainly one guy that is that is underrated uh, through the football world. He was just inducted into the the Hall of Fame as well, Daniel Bradshaw. But but his ability, we called him Big Guns. His arms were just massive. Now that's one guy that can do a handstand. He could do handstands up and down stairs. He could walk on our Mad Mondays. He'd just walk around on his arms all day. (laughs) (laughs) That is. And and one day he was that he was that he was he was pretty polished by by the other one day, and he slipped. (laughs) And just smack his
0: head. <laughs> uh, the the old party trick. Yeah, no doubt comes yeah. out, man. That's brilliant. I was about to say, what's the uh, the best Mad Monday outfit you've got for me? That was uh, there. You go. That's probably the best story. <laughs> Who had the best rig? I mean, I was just thinking about how hard yous all train. Who was the most cut? Oh,
1: jeez, the most ripped. The the calendar. The calendar boy. Uh, we, I have to go back to the Blackie. Blackie. Blackie had the had the had the tan skin. Good looking uh, rooster. Yeah, good yeah. looking rooster. He has got the surfy background, so he had the long sort Mate, of. If this. he
0: was coming to the ranks now, <laughs> oh, he'd, be that, he'd be like the Baslinka, wouldn't oh, he? Like you'd, for sure, you'd for put sure. him next to each other. He, and- he
1: was just ripped. He was ripped. <laughs> blackie would would actually you know he he just wouldn't he just wouldn't put on weight he was told to put on he just couldn't put on weight and he'd just be that ripped uh, Shawnee hart uh, was was pretty ripped I think he got down to a skinfold of under thirty at one stage I on reckon yeah that, really really lean he was a he was a completely athlete uh, but yeah yeah it'd have to be blackie for sure that's great mate
0: that's great all right there's a quick there's a quick fire now so now that you're retired what's the one thing um that you miss the most about playing
1: uh, I think Lee always talked about what drives you to play football and and, and what gets you to a game and, and what what is it that, that that's your passion and, and your purpose. And I think I think it's the the nerves, Tommy. The nerves. Going to a like going to a footy game, driving to a footy game, it's okay. Uh, but then once you're getting out of your car and you're walking you're walking there or you get that fire in your belly, you get that nervous bit, that's what I miss. I don't get that a lot anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what you – because you don't know whether you're going to fail. You don't know whether you're going to succeed. It's that whole sort of unknown area to be and and, and you to be able to have a part in it in, in trying to get to the end of the day and be the winner and be the victor. I think that's the part that I miss. And obviously the guys that you – you know, you go from hanging out with, you know, 50-odd blokes yeah. uh, to almost nothing and, you know, you go from, you know, during my time, it was it was semi professional. Then it went really professional in my back end. You know, you're spending eight hours a day with each other, and um, you know the banter that's going around, the relationships and the friendships that you build as well. Um, that that's certainly the part that I miss uh, uh, mostly. But but certainly that that, that fire in the belly. Um, you know, I to give to be there in a couple of weeks on the MCG uh, grand final day. I'd do anything to be to be in that position again because. That's the ultimate success. That's why you play football. The individual accolades are great and fantastic, but certainly being on, and and now that, Football has gone, you know, back back in out. Probably early two thousand. It was probably just here in Australia and a little bit overseas. But now it's it's a global it's a global thing where people are, are watching our game. And you know, you just look from Carlton's win last week. We have got Robbie Williams just, uh, you know, putting things up on social media around his music and around the coning and oh, all that, that type of awesome. stuff. So, so just to get back there, that, you miss that that whole sort of
0: build up to a game. Yeah. More, more than anything else, said, mate. I said a lot of people say locker room, but you're right that. That feeling of playing, let alone just like a final and all that, it is really hard to replace. Um, and you can't find it. It's it's hard to find in the real world, as we like to call it. Um, mm. It's yeah, it's, it's it's not the same.
1: No, you 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 work yourself up, and because you because put, you're putting so many steps to get there on that day. Um, and whether it be grand final day, or round one, round twelve, whatever it is, but to get there on the day and actually not knowing what the outcome's going to be, but you've done everything possible. To, to to you thinking that you know you're going to win or you think you're going to win, and then you know it, it sometimes falls away from you.
0: Yeah, no, you're spot on. Um, uh, last one: if you were to pick one player in the AFL right now and um and bring them to Brisbane, let's say, um, just any club really, but just one player in the in the competition that you just would bring to a club that you're creating, who would it be and why? Oh,
1: I'd have to bring Bud. It's uh, certainly Buddy Franklin. I I seen Buddy i seen Buddy playing as a young kid. He, the, he got hold of us one day. Uh, it would have been, what, 2005, I think, or 2006 at the MCG. Uh, he was only a young fellow, and he got a hold of us one day there. And, um, you know, just the, just his presence on the ground. And I think I think the why, you bring him because you just want to sit back and be able to watch somebody like that and be involved with somebody like that, um, you know, probably one of the, the greatest forwards that we're, we're going to see for a long, long time. You know, we've just seen what he's done over the last couple of years in the Swans, and he's turned that that football club around. Um, I just, I I watch him from afar and just think he would be awesome to play with. I'd love to line up alongside him. I'd love to be kicking in the ball too, Tommy. You know, um, coming out and and just admire him, And, and I think his presence out on a football field and his ability to actually just turn games off his own boot would be the, the reason why I'd want him to he's come a in big, He's of... a
0: big boy I remember, um, I remember this is actually just from I was like trying to fight for a spot in a pre-season game yeah. and I sold him a bit of candy in the back <laughs> pocket and I just got him and I remember him just kind of bumping me going fucking like, don't you do yeah, that again yeah. <laughs> I thought oh that wasn't uh, the only reason I sold him the candy because yeah. they're about to kill me you know when yeah, they come in real hot I thought you know you uh, got him then <laughs> Oh, that was, that was probably my only highlight in a in a a practice game in the in the suburbs of Sydney or wherever we were playing um, but yeah mate, he's a big boy and um, yeah. yeah you forget don't you like you, when, we, when he retired recently you look at his highlights real oh. and you just think you know you see because you see the highlights so much yeah, but you yeah. think just think about The the guy that's chasing him and um, poor Hooksy, like, (laughs) 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 Hooksy's actually pretty quick, like, you know, like Buddy's a freak. But that highlight, man, I wonder if he's getting any royalties from that. It
1: probably didn't even show that. He probably had about five efforts before that, too, (laughs) (laughs) Hooksy. He may have. That's like the classic coach going, mate, have a look at this. Can you maybe,
0: you know, can (laughs) we get goal side? It's like, well, fuck, have a look at the five efforts before you get the whole picture. But, um, yeah, nah, there you go. Bring Buddy in his prime. I want to talk about Lee Matthews. Uh, I really want to just dive in here as a segment. I want to I want to know more about him. You know what did what kind of belief did he put in you individually and as a team? And you speak about how he brought these you know key personnel to the footy club. Clearly, he's thought you know we're going to put the right people around and you know even thinking about the list, very solid list. A lot of big bodies and um, clearly some great people and hard trainers. But what were the things that? Um, no, I know Akka spoke on the media and, and you know gave your game plan away, but you could yeah. probably talk about some of this now. Um, what were some of the things that your values on the walls and all that that you can kind of share with the public so they can apply it to their you know their working lives or their football clubs?
1: It was quite like everyone's going to think it's going to be complex, yeah. Yeah, simple, but, but on imagining. It's very very simple. Lee Lee spoke about a lot around fundamentals being really fundamentally. Um, um, predictable to each other, knowing what your teammate's going to do. For example, um, if I use Craig McRae at the moment, we know, we all knew uh, within our team that Craig McRae taking a mark or getting a free kick or whatever it was, he was never going to give it to a handball or run a pass. He was always going to wheel on his left, take about about 10 or 5 metres gain and then just kick the ball long to an advantage side. We all knew that, so we didn't waste any energy in trying to get the handball received. We knew that was that was Fly's weapon. His weapon was coming out, receiving the ball as a hit up, and then willing and go and getting the ball quick and catching the defence out. That was his weapon. So Lee, Lee basically brought it into to us that fundamentally you need to be stronger over the football. You need to be cleaner. You need to be you need to hit targets you need to focus on your skills and you need to focus in the gym and you need to be strong you need to be able to break tackles and you need to be able to tackle as well so the two two or three fundamentals that within that were being predictable as well to each other um, he he had a simple um, simple plan in around um, sort of uh, how, to, how do we get to the grand final what's our best road to the grand final and he, and he'd done the old pyramid he'd done the old pyramid he had done the old pyramid and obviously at the top of the pyramid was to be premieres and underneath the, uh, underneath the tip of the, the, the pyramid was, was around that we needed 12 to 14 wins to get two home finals. For us to get two home finals, it meant that we didn't need to travel. We have a week off. We get to recover. We, may, we knew that our talent was good enough. But then what we were able to do is be able to regenerate our bodies and get our bodies right and be able to put our best foot forward on grand final day or during those finals, whether it be a first semi or whether it be a prelim. So he really painted a simple picture for us in around numbers. He, he got a lot of stats up. Uh, you know, more often than not, when you have a shot at goal in front of goal, if you're having a shot at front of goal, you're going to kick more than, than most. So if you're on the boundary best chance is to center it if we get a mark, we're gonna be more of a chance to try it. It was all around percentages of football. What are the high percentages and risk reward? Um obviously coming my 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 position sitting at full back and or well, back pocket but kicking the ball up, uh kicking the ball in, was in around and uh, you know, obviously the quickest route to goal is straight through the middle. Um uh, Is it high risk? Yeah, it's really high risk if you're going to go up the middle. But you need to go – at some stage, we need to go wide and then we need to come back in the middle. So he had a simple game plan in how we wanted to enter into our forward line but how do we actually get that forward entry in the way that we want it um, and it wasn't always a straight line it was sometimes that we need to shift the ball shift the defense um, and 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 it was it was a way that I'd never looked at football um, in he really simplified it as well um, and he and he talked a lot about the tip of the iceberg as well uh, everyone can see the tip but What's underneath no one else can see um, and that that all came back to our work and everything else that if we've done all the work and everything everyone will see who we are at the tip but they won't see the work the grinding that we've done uh, through the season as well so um it, it was it was a it was a it was a very hard man um he was he was ranting and raving early stages um, and then then we got a guy of the name of Phil Jauncy in a sports psychologist. Um, who'd been working with a number of Australian football, uh, Australian sporting teams. Um, and he basically brought it back for Lee and brought it back for us as well. Um, but certainly for Lee, he would rent and right, rate uh, after a game if we'd lost. Um, uh, basically, Lee um, would, would then, uh, with Phil Jauncey coming in, Lee had actually worked out that he didn't need to say anything after the game. He'd leave it for a Tuesday or a Wednesday or potentially a Monday to review the game and get his thoughts all he would come in after the game is point out one or two things that weren't really, really uh, harsh towards individuals. Um, but then he would always talk about the recovery part of it, and he would then digest the game over two or three days, and then come back with his feedback on that. and And his feedback was pretty good. Um, always had vision to back it up, um, and always had key, um, I say uh, K- uh, KPIs that we needed to go by. Um, and it was always around inside forward fifties, tackles and contest ball. If we could beat every team in those three factors, we would always more often than not be able to win the game and it was simple as that. Yeah. It was simple as that. Win the contested ball. Uh, if, you, if we haven't got the ball, well, we need to make sure that we're out tackling the opposition. If we can get the ball in quick and fast uh, into our forward 50 more often than our, uh, our, our opponents – uh, we're going to win the game. It was simple as that. And then obviously, there's line coaches underneath that work through that and build that and make that sort of simmer a little bit more and and have some sort of individual stuff to to work on. And 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 one one of the other things too was 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 around um, trying to keep our defense under ten goals. Um, so defending, but we didn't work a lot on defense. It was just around trying to keep our opposition under ten goals. If we could get fifty inside forward 50s, fifties, we're going to have twenty five shots on goal. So every second time you go in, you're having a shot. Um, and basically, we just work on a philosophy around all those little bits and pieces. There's a lot in there, Tommy. I know, nah, but well, but, it, but it's very fundamentally yeah, simple.
0: There is a lot in there, but there's not when you if you if you break it down, eight mm. back six and and team. Yeah, keep them to less than ten yep. goals, and yep. then and, and let's win the contest. Or if they've got it, tackle hard and yep. get it in. And we've got some beasts up there yep. that can finish the work. And
1: the good thing for us as as a defensive unit is that. We had guys that could, that were both ways, running both ways in the midfield. Yeah. So we had Vossi and we had, uh, you know, Martin Pike on the wing with Tim Nottie on the wing and, you know, Brad Scott on – you know, we had a lot of guys going through the wing and a lot of guys going through the midfield. Nigel Lappin, one of the hardest and most underrated footballers going around as well uh, along with Daniel Bradshaw. But but certainly um, the the ability for our – yes, our midfield were good when they had the ball. But fuck, they were even better when we didn't have the ball as well. They would work their guts out to put a little bit of pressure on the way that ball's coming into the defence, mm. which made my life easier. Meld mm. Mells, meld lepers, made made Pikes, whoever was down back at the time DJ, made it a lot a lot easier for us when there's a bit of pressure on the ball coming in.
0: Are there any? Uh, are there any? You talk about. It sounds like the emotions got the better of uh, Lee Matthews Sometimes, if you're <laughs> lost uh, before the psychologist got there, were there any big sprays that you remember? Oh, Maybe to know. a whole unit uh, uh, where you look back and go, "Ooh, that was scary."
1: Um. Yeah, I, I think I think one day he gave us he gave us a massive spray. Um, which was, which was, which was quite, quite funny. Um, we, uh, we, we. This is before we actually started getting on our run. Uh, it was at Princess Park. We played against Carlton. They they smashed us. Absolutely smashed us by about, I think, sixty odd points. The week after we lost to uh, yeah, the week after we lost to Adelaide, this is oh one. one lost to Adelaide, and then we played that game against Essendon, which we spoke about earlier. Um anyway, so he gave us a massive spray, said, you know, basically said to us all, you know, up on the whiteboard, we didn't do this, we didn't do that, didn't do this, didn't do that. And and it was really at us. And it was at Princess Park, it was in those old rooms. So the room was half the size of this, Tommy. And it was just <laughs> like two rows there, and the whiteboard was all almost, you know, you could touch the whiteboard almost. So he gave us a massive spray and, and during the spray there was uh, the water people come along to drug test us oh, and yeah. he's, they're knocking on the door and <laughs> Lee's still going with his spray and everyone's going, shit, this, <laughs> this person's got to. Anyway, so eventually, eventually the door comes open and it's the water guys, all right, the WADA guys and goes, oh, Lee, we're here to test. And he goes, did you not see the game? Does it look like any of these bastards are on drugs? <laughs> It just got smashed. <laughs> it was the best one. For Did you Lee? all start oh, laughing? No. Mate, it was just like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> we didn't laugh. We didn't no, laugh. You we to, laugh. That's when you're sitting there, laugh. you're like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> In uh, the changers,
0: bet yeah, yeah, yeah. you would have exploded. Oh, yeah, after, yeah.
1: Once we got out and on yeah. the bus and everything, heading back to the airport. <laughs> oh, fuck. It was one of Lee's best. One of that, his best. That is great. <laughs> I miss so little moments. That's
0: that's uh, that's great. What about – um? Oh, is there anything else with Lee? Like, was there? Is there anything that you take into – you know SKS, which we'll talk about in a moment. But like business life, oh. are there anything messages that you still remember that that really, um, you know, that it's a real easy way to be successful from things yeah, that well, he's met, well, mentioned? Well,
1: well, the thing that he he really came up with is is know your role, know what your role is, and if you don't know your role, go and find out what your role is and what you need to execute. Know your role. And then go and perform it. So once you know it and you know how to do it, you need to go and execute it and perform it. And the, and it's the same thing within within our football team that we spoke about. Is that okay? If I've got a role within the football team, if Lee's given me a role and I'm not hundred percent sure, I need to go and find out what that role is. So know your role, then go and execute it. I've got to do my best possible way is knowing how to execute that role. So on the football field, whether it have to be you know a lot more body work, or whether it be you know I need to be cleaner below my knees. And in business, you need to know what who you need to target, who are the people that you need to target. And then, you know, know your role, perform your role, and then execute it as well. Um, uh, execute it is mostly the, the biggest thing that I've taken um, in, in those three steps that, that Lee had talked around, and that was football life. And, and now within business now, I'm doing a similar thing is now knowing your role, performing your role, and then executing your role as well. So, um, and and you've got to bring people on the journey as well. He he brought us all on a journey together. He brought the people in. He brought the medical staff in. He brought everyone in. And and the the one thing that that, that Lee always done really really well. He involved families. Uh, yeah. We had a good family football club. He involved partners. He involved kids. He involved uh, parents of younger kids. You know the whole the whole relationship around the football club. It was like a big family. Um, he used to do one really really good thing, which was you know happened for about four years in a row. Um, was that before the season, before the finals campaign came, before the finals campaign came, he'd actually get us all together for a dinner. Um, all together with a dinner and he could talk to uh, the group and tell them how much it meant for the next four to five weeks and what it what it looked like and why we were there. And it wasn't because uh, Michael Voss was doing extra training. It wasn't because, you know, Simon Black was sitting out doing extra stoppage work, body work. It wasn't because of me doing extra kicking or, what it, or set shots on goal, whatever it was. It was actually the people around him, our families and everyone else actually getting around us and giving us everything we need to be able to perform to come to the training in the right manner and then come to the games in the right manner. So, yes, we're the ones out there performing but he was really good involving people into the whole story and the whole picture of thing. But certainly some great life lessons that he's taught me in football that you can just transfer over to life and in business.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love hearing the um, the family's part. I really yeah. like that. I really like bringing everyone in and it, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Bringing everyone oh, on the journey. And well, we had
1: a we had a crash. We had a crash at the football club. <laughs> like the right? we, we, oh, man, we, we had that many. But like, at a game, like, we actually had to have a at the at the Gabba because we had so many guys that had kids, um, and 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 support staff and everything else, and mate, whole, after the after match in the kicking area where you see the boys go down there, mate, there be there be that many kids down there running around kicking the football. They're all mates now. That's oh a mate. yeah, yeah. they're all kids. connected. You know, the Johnsons, you have got the Lappins, you got the Bradshaws, you got the Lamberts, all those. It's it's unbelievable. It yeah. was unbelievable. Really, really special
0: time. It is a special time. Before I talk to talk to you about international rules, because we have got a couple <laughs> of stories there, and everyone, everyone, everyone asking <laughs> about the international rules, mate. I'll just go give you the little uh, heads up that's coming. Um, but coaching, are you surprised that? Um, you, I'm actually, are you surprised that so many of your teammates are now coaching? as head coaches and also, you know, underneath them and doing really well. Are you surprised that a lot of them are going down the coaching route?
1: No, not really. Not really. Um, You you look back and you look back at the meetings, the the meetings that we'd have either, you know, uh, doing opposition meetings or doing uh, reviews uh, of of, of games, and the guys who were speaking out, the guys that had ideas and opinions around certain things – are the guys that are coaching now. The guys who are, who are confident enough to speak up and talk about what was going on during the game are all the guys that are in coaching positions now. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprised where, where Chris has been uh, for, for the last 10 years or so. I'm not surprised where, where Fly is at the moment. Not surprised with Vossi. Uh, you know, Blake Carosella, even to that fact. Leper as well. They were all very strong individuals, uh, and had a real good view of the game itself and, and would dissect the game individually in their areas as well. Um, knowing of, excuse me, knowing of Leper as well, knowing how he saw the game and how he was able to, you know, manufacture some really, really good defences within the Richmond Football Club and now at Collingwood as well. So that personal experience that they have, doesn't surprise me at all, Tommy, that we've got so many guys that are involved. You know, even Luke Power, for 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 example, he he's, he's coaching reserves uh, or the VFL group at the moment at Carlton. But the way he deeply thinks about the game and the deeply thinks about individuals as well um, is is no surprise to me to see so many guys. And 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 you hear the press conferences of of, of Vossi and and Fly and 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 Brad and Chris and and the guys that are uh, and even when they talk in the media. And it's exactly what Lee would be saying to us, and uh, you hear it's almost they're almost like mini Lees. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> They're yeah, all yeah, like yeah. mini Lees, but they're doing their own. Um, they're putting their own spin on it as well, and bringing their own initiatives into it as well. And, there you go. Um, it's certainly no surprise to me to see so many of our our teammates uh, within those. Within those uh, premiership era, or, or during my time at the Lions in coaching roles, do you reckon they touch
0: base with Lee frequently?
1: Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. So Lee, Lee was uh, especially when he was coaching; he was very much driven for the for the outcome, driven for the outcome. He'd talk to you about, uh, he'd only know to, or how to approach around talking around the football game and not so much personal stuff, a little bit of personal stuff, but mainly focus on what the end result is. And now that he's out of coaching and out of football, he's he's the most relaxed guy that you can talk to and get opinions off. Um, you know, I've rang him on a, on a number of occasions to get his views and opinion on certain things of the game. And everything else, answers the call, gives, you know, or if he doesn't, calls you straight back and you know, have had coffees with him, and and I would say that a majority, majority of the senior coaches now that are coaching now would lean on Lee for certain things. Um, um, not all the time, but there'd be if they ran into a hurdle and they thought that Lee could help, there'd be no hesitations in them giving him a call um, uh, and coming along. And you know, I heard uh, Fly got Lee back to Collingwood. Football club when he took over there, um, and I don't think Lee had been back there for a while, so that was a that was a nice touch as well. Yeah,
0: that is nice touch. Mm. Fly impresses me a lot, mate. Yeah. I'll be honest. Uh, he, uh, I don't know if you can have a beer with someone I reckon right now. He'd be the guy with as a, as a coach. Well, he Just-
1: hates he hates us talking about it, but. He was the one that ran our Mad Mondays.
0: There you go. So he, you, oh, oh, really? <laughs> he he so was a real people person. He, he isn't would he? run.
1: He'd have an itinerary for our Mad Mondays oh, and he'd bring, man. In, he'd bring in so many guys. Him and Vossi were work very, very uh they'd work very, very hard on it without anyone knowing, and then you'd rock up on the uh, on the Mad Monday and there'd be all this shit organized oh, just to brilliant. keep the day going. And oh, oh, it was what awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome. The people and champion. And, and, he, and and now and and, and and he and he's got a good balance between, you know, his fun life and actually being a coach as well. So he doesn't like us mentioning it a lot, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, man, if you, if you go, keep it under wraps, yeah, yeah, boys. Yeah, yeah. Keep it under wraps. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's good. Oh, that's, um, yeah, as you can see, he's really good with people. Yep. I, I reckon he, he can see he's maximizing the people within that football club. Every day,
1: yeah, and, and and he comes from a teacher background, and you know, once he retired, um, and and not probably not a lot of people don't know this, but once he retired, he went into AFL Queensland and, and coached the under eighteen competition, uh, their national team or their state team in the national championships for a while. So, so it, it's not like that he's gone from. Finishing as a player and straight into the AFL system, he's actually built himself and he's got a teacher background at the mm. same time. So he, he does – he's very, very personal uh, with the individuals.
0: Yeah, he's good. He's um No, he's doing great things and it's going to be an interesting uh, – obviously, we're pre-recording this. This will yep. come out after prelim week, so we don't yep. know what's going to happen. But um, – Hopefully, my Giants boys beat the yeah, five. Yeah. <laughs> How good have they been? Oh, They've man, been awesome. awesome. They've man. been great. Yeah, awesome. Toby Bedford,
1: hasn't yeah. he just given them another oh, little, little bit like of spark, mate? Jackie yeah. Riccardi. Yeah. Hey? Oh, Riccari, yeah, yeah, yeah. The big Rick, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. No, so many good characters as well. Oh. Like, just ripping fellas. Yeah, so yeah. I wish, like all footy clubs. Um, all right, let's get into the international rules, yeah. mate. Um, I, uh, I I I want to know what it's like to represent the country, and also just the memories, and clearly the one incident. We can break it down because there's more to it. I know there's more to it, um, but uh, let's just start with the the international rules. What was it like to represent the country?
1: Oh, mate, it was fantastic, and you know, I was I was named uh, within within the squad on a, on a few occasions, which which uh, you know I represented the the, the country three times. Um, I could have represented a, a few more, but. They were the overseas tours, and I had a few few bits and pieces going back here at home and stuff like that. But it was a pleasure. Uh, vice captain one, co captain another uh, series. Uh, one with uh, with with Shane Crawford, uh, vice captain with him, and then um, with the great Andrew McLeod, uh, co captain no, uh, with start. him. In, in in my last series here in 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 Australia, but but to go to go overseas and represent your country, there's no there's no bigger honour than that. Um, the first time I went and represented Australia, uh, over in over in Ireland was when the Bali bombing happened. So it was actually happened at the same time in between two tests that, that we were playing in. So so being over there at that time was quite special. We were the first country to or the first team to represent our country after so many so many things had happened uh, to our people over in Bali. So Look, to be able to to be able to get in a group uh, with guys that you see from afar, and we spoke about Buddy before, but you see from afar and you see how they prepare and you see how they, they go about things, um, to actually to get them into one environment together and actually travel internationally with them to represent your country, there's nothing better than it. Um, yes, it's a hybrid game, a uh, hybrid game, and... Um, it, it's it's different for us. it takes a while for us to get used to the, to the actual ball itself and the rules and everything else but but I think our professionalism we're always able to come over the top and, and be able to be the better teams through 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 the series that I played in anyway but, but but getting around you know you'd have you know Dipper along there you'd have Jared healer you'd have Gary Lyon. you'd have some of the guys that have been playing uh, this hybrid game for a long long time and what it meant here Jim Steins was involved. On on the on the, all the occasions that I was there, you know, to hear that man talk about where he came from, and to actually be able to Australia and Australia to get him an opportunity to play at a professional level was under, un unbelievable, and him to go through the stories that the challenges that he went through as a young kid in Ireland and then coming over to Australia, so. Uh, look, fantastic times. Um, nothing better. Uh, the red carpet gets rolled out for you. There's some good times, you know, where you've gotta you gotta you know, you have a bit of uh, a bit of fun about uh, after after training sessions and whatnot, but certainly the serious part when you lock in the training. Um, everyone's everyone's locked in and everyone's at the uh, on the same page and want to get the same result.
0: How hard was the training? Because it's obviously in the off season, so yeah. you got to, it's a commitment. It's not, not that it's a commitment; it's your country, but it is the time where you're meant to rest and recover for the upcoming season and pre-season. How hard is the another the, the block of training with the new ball?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends if. So I was quite lucky, Tommy, where. Where I would roll into it straight after oh, GFs, yeah, yeah. straight after <laughs> yeah, GFs. So, yeah. so some guys that some guys that that, that, that finished in round eighteen, but well, well how many games, round twenty two or whatever it was, they'd finish and it'd be and then they'd be done for about four to five weeks, and then, then they'd have to get going again. So uh, I assumed it was hard for them. Uh, you know, we'd have a week uh, of celebrating our premierships or whatnot, and then and then get back into it. But but the training was hard. So you'd come in. Um, you'd come in for at least a, a, a week camp before you'd actually start to start to get into it. Um, you know, it would be all around skills and touch. Uh, you had a responsibility to keep your level up of fitness up to a certain level, but it was all around the touch of uh, a touch of the ball and, and understanding what the game plan was and everything else. And, and some, some of the guys that were coming in had never touched a ball before in their life. And as and soon as you got selected, which was a good thing, as soon as you got selected in the game um, uh, or in the squad, you get sent a ball. Get a set, and a ball, and, and a, a book of the rules and everything else. So you had to do a little bit of homework yourself and do a little bit of touching things yourself. But but the training was was probably more hard. The harder training sessions were the ones that they'd call uh, when you didn't have one when you'd been out the night before, and <laughs> that they were the hard sessions that, uh, that, that, that 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 they used to run you and obviously get you back up to scratch a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: brilliant. How how tough were the opposition? Like I used to watch and go. It's actually I used to think far out there. This is hard. We're not like you just you kind of assume we'd win all the time. Yeah. Um, being because they don't get paid much over there, do that? They? they don't get that. No,
1: well, back in those days, they didn't. So like, we
0: were, were the profe- like the we so called professionals, yeah, but we geez, were. they were good.
1: They were fit. They and, were fit. Yeah. They, they took pride in their game, they took pride in their country, they took pride in everything they've done. So they were part time footballers. Um, they were hard, they were tough. Um, they could run their ability. Uh, their speed was was one thing i I struggled with i was in 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 the hybrid game I was a forward i wasn 't a backman mm. i couldn 't keep up with them. So I, you know, <laughs> I, I struggled to keep Just up skillful. with them I struggled to keep up with them so I was a forward mainly uh in the hybrid game and um look the the what how they applied themselves for our games against us. Um, they, they were, it was a, it was a scalp for them to get us. Uh, if I were able to be, and they compared themselves to us, and and I reckon some of them maybe have been playing for you know trying to get noticed by an AFL team to get offered a contract over here at some stage. And we see it happen quite quite often now. But it's um, it's certainly something that you look at and you go, well, we should beat them. We should have beat them quite easily. But but they they were they were the. the they were part-time footballers, but they were professionals at their game, uh, what they were able to do with the football. but And the ability to read the ball, like obviously with our rounded shape ball, it goes everywhere, but, but the ability to read it, and, and they get brought up on soccer too. Yeah. Uh, you know, so they know how the ball moves and, you know, we'd be coming out thinking, yeah, we're going to get the ball and it just bounces straight over our head. So, so it was a little bit about that, but but certainly them as an opposition, they, they weren't easy to beat. Um, they were very hard. And solid too, like you, we, we would tackle them and that, that's when the sling, yeah, that's where we used to Use a sling tackle a fair bit against them, and then that came into it as well. But we used to tackle and dump them, um, but then that got sort of brought out because we would hurt them a, a yeah. fair bit. But, the, but they stood up to the to the biggest challenges that they were uh, delivered, that's for sure. remember there's
0: a guy called Gooch, I <laughs> reckon. I just heard there's a guy called Gooch, just front of mine, was a bit of a solid bastard, but um. Talk about. Um, do you think we should bring it back? I think it should come back. It was so um, exciting to watch. Yeah. It was only a quick series, and I was
1: quite lucky enough, Tommy. We took a we took a, a, an indigenous side over there where where it was in the balance, um, and Andrew Demetrio. Um, you know they were putting out, uh, they were inviting all these players to come and play, um, and a lot of players weren't taking it up, and it happened for about three or four years, and then. Uh, I was working at the AFL at the time and and Jason Misford uh, approached Andrew Dimitri and said, oh, let's take an All-Stars team over there. So I went over there with an All-Stars team, which was fantastic. It was a great experience. Cultural exchange as well uh, between the Indigenous people and the Irish people as well. That was fantastic. But, but then obviously it dropped off for a couple of years and then they go – the, the players some incentives to, to play and I think that's what it, it needs to have some incentives exactly like you know you look at our soccer players when they go and play for Australia they've got incentives there you look at our cricket team you know you look at all the sports that that, that, that go and represent Australia they've got incentives to it where the AFL incentives weren't that big so representing your country should be should be a, a pretty big incentive itself but I reckon there needs to be incentives attached yeah. to it and, and, and we've seen that happen where we've seen some of the biggest I think Chris coach uh, Chris and Ross I think, may have coached together. In Perth, uh, I uh, Yeah, maybe, in Perth yeah. And, um, and, and brought it back up to the level and we had all the superstars playing. Yeah. Um, we need to work out a concept on how we get the superstars to play you know, we're talking about our our AFL season being long already, so so it's a lot of the clubs obviously pulling the players back for not playing. But if we could a, get if we could get to either that or a state of origin again, it yeah. would be outstanding. I think
0: state of origin or that would be great. State of, I mean, money talks, right? Yeah, you yeah, give yeah. the boys a big incentive. Yeah, yeah, so there yeah. we go. We understand that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty grand for a yeah. week, couple of weeks of footy, I reckon, will go. Like, it, it comes down to viewership. So if there's a you know millions of people tuning in, there's no reason why they yeah. can't generate it. But um, oh, it was just exciting It's something that. Uh, you know, you think of I think the NBA have their All Star Week, which is which I is a little is bit, which is a little bit, it's massive, and it's a little bit. There's kind of spraying them because it's not that competitive these days, but there are little things that go on that week, like your three point shootout and your dunk on – Like just those events, definitely, you know, get the crowds going mid year. Yeah, so yeah. I think ours was definitely state of origin. and was always which you've represented as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I didn't get. I, oh, oh, you yes. didn't? I thought you I, played in the. The state of origin? No, I was, I was an emergency, Tommy. Oh, oh emergency. emergency. Oh, I up the bad memories. I didn't uh, – I, uh, I, uh, I got invited and, uh, yeah, missed out on the. It was probably one of the last – it was when Boomer Harvey carved up, I think it might have been, that game there. I was an emergency that day, so – um, got the got a mate, got it was an amazing, mate, Got the train with like Tony Lockett and these guys. I was yeah. only what was I nineteen? I think nineteen or yeah. twenty, and I was just going wow. It was when I was at Fitzroy, and I was just like, how good is this? That is and, crazy. And then all of a sudden, it came to a
0: real big uh, halt, and never mm. never got played again. Nah. Um. Sorry, man. I just brought up some uh, bad that's memories. I've had emergencies. All right, I was, was. emergency all <laughs> Um Let's go to the incident because I heard. Um, we obviously, you know that there was a big coat hanger, and there's yeah. always R. G. bargy yeah. with the uh, with the Irish boys, and there was no one tougher than yourself. I know. I think of blokes like Campbell Brown used yeah. to throw yeah. his big brown dog used to throw <laughs> his weight around and, and whatnot. But there's more. There's there's more behind the uh, argy bargy I've heard than just the you know yeah. your incident. So do you want to uh, shed, shed some light on the yeah, uh, the well, incident?
1: Well, there's been, um, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, I guess, blues if you want to call it that, or or hits, and and it comes, it comes back to their tactics. It comes back to their tactics uh, uh, when you're actually in the game, Tommy and. And it was it was they're, they're pretty good with their, their tactics, and you know we've got the old pinchy pinchies and all that type of stuff. But but what they what they were they actually doing um, during during my time? I can only talk about. I can't talk too much about other times. But but they'd just be late on a few different things, and you know, and, and then they'd say they didn't know. And they, in in our in our game, it's like if you're late on something, and you hit me. Well, I'm going to hit you back, type thing. I think for them, they were just like oh, I didn't know you weren't allowed to do that type of thing. But but the other thing too, Tommy, is what. They were doing to our forwards, or, or even if they, if they, if you got ahead of your opponent and you'd run, they'd actually step on the back of your Achilles with your boot. So, so instead of trying to run beside you, they'd actually step on the back of your Achilles and just sh- scratch the hell out of the back of there. So, so a lot of that stuff was happening, and then and then things get to another thing, and then we'd obviously had enough. and And look, it, it was it was one of those brain fades that I had that I wish I could take back, but. It just it just happened uh, one after another. I, I put the arm out and uh, <laughs> clean, clean the poor young fellow up and uh, feel sorry to him. Apologise again, but but then from there I just uh, I just seen a whole lot of uh, Irish blokes coming at me. and I thought, geez, I have got to defend myself here. I'm gonna I'm gonna get belted You're back here. In Jakarta, uh, back in back the jack of day. Uh, so so yeah, basically just started to, um, started throwing them around a little bit. I, I reckon I got two of them. I didn't get the rest. Of the other eight, they all just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there, there's all this stuff that goes behind the scenes as well that you, you eye each other off and uh, and all these type of things and and you're all good when you're in the functions and stuff. But when you when you get out in the ground, it really becomes really you know the battle between two countries and and yes, there's a lot of niggles behind the scenes that you don't see that that you you have to you have to square them up. And mm, that's yeah. the old Aussie way. You got to square it up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Well, mate, it's one of the uh, yeah, it's it's, a, it's a definitely a memory and a, a one that um. I mean, as I said, as an Aussie, it's just Aussies, it's just anything, not anything goes, but it's just if it's on, it's on. And it, it, I'll tell you what, the, I don't know what the TV ratings were, but I'd imagine they were through <laughs> no, the roof.
1: But I, I think what happened eventually, um, and the reason why there used to be a lot of brawls or punch-ups or or, or or what used to happen during those international rules games is that the suspensions, if you got suspended in that, you only got suspended for international rules you didn't get suspended for your club and I think now what they've done all the previous couple of series they played, I think if you got suspended in that international rule, you got suspended into your club. Um, which sort of cleaned things up a little bit. It's mm. probably probably smart by him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that's probably because of like, you know a few of you blokes have uh, helped them out with that one. But that, that anything else? Any other fond memories from there? Like the functions, the boys, anyone that any funny stories that you uh, still think there was, about?
1: There, there was one funny story when we went with the uh, when, <laughs> we went with the uh, indigenous boys when we took. I wasn't playing. I was team managing at the time. Team and, manager. Uh, that's team role. manager. <laughs> <laughs> was a good role. It was a good role. Uh, it was a We had a, we had a good time. Um, we went and stayed at. Jamal and Castle. Uh, and all the Australian teams go and stay there. It's his castle. Um, I think it's in Kerry. I think it might be. Um, and uh, basically, from there, you, you go and stay in his castle. It's turned into a hotel. It's got a golf course. It's got it's got all these activities. You spend about two or three days. They get you out of town, so you can behave yourself a little bit. Anyway, so we have a big dinner there. It's it's you all get dressed up in your suits in the dining hall. Um, you know, Gill or Andrew's there. They do a big speech, and you got a few of the AFL executives there and everything else. And um, and anyway, so one of the boys got talking to one of the, the waiters and, and, uh, one of the boys uh, had found out that the, it's haunted. This castle's haunted, right? So me as the team manager going, all right, oh yeah, no worries, boys. And, and as boys, and where you had to go to the toilet. You had to go downstairs and almost in this like dungeon top, and and boys were like scaring the shit out of each other all night and jumping out at each other, and you could hear people laughing and carrying on anyway. So dinner was over, um, everyone went back to their rooms, and um and and we had a training session the next morning, and uh, me as team manager were out there ready for the training session, and and half the boys to half the boys were there on time, and we're going where's the rest of the boys and. Um, and and we, we started working out that all the boys were that terrified, right? So I went around knocking on everyone's doors and there's no one there. And I had the MasterCard so then I'd, I'd go in. No one in their rooms. and. So what eventually happened is that they were shitting themselves that much. <laughs> they all went and stayed in the one room together, <laughs> and they couldn't sleep. I got to the one room. There's about fifteen blokes in there, all sleeping <laughs> on the floor everywhere because <laughs> they got scared about this uh, about this haunted uh, castle. Oh, so, the demons! Oh, they they shit themselves. It was quite funny. We we thought that they'd gotten on a gotten on a bus and just took off and gone and left the, the country on, 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 on the night a town on the night. But they all they all they all stayed in the oh, one you room. Oh, they were in the Dublin or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. No, we thought yeah, they yeah. all just. Took off in the town because in the middle of nowhere this castle and yeah. there's no town. There's a few towns close by, about forty five minutes. But but we we thought they'd all shot through. But it was all because of the uh, the waiter told him about her, uh, about it right. being haunted, the, and they the all head. jumped in the same room yeah. together. So uh, quite oh, funny. It reminded me
0: of when we were kids, we used to watch that movie Chucky. Yeah, know, uh-huh. Chucky. We used to yeah, as soon as I'd watch it, I'd have the nightmares for weeks. <laughs> it's amazing what goes through your head. Um, before I ask you about your Milwaukee tools handiest oh, geez, moment. Yep. Um, I just back to the premierships because I don't even ask you about this because you just you know you just see it and you hear so much of it but just just your memories on each one and and how special was was the first one the most special I do hear that most people think the first one's the most special but you know, the last one, uh, Well, how would you break it all down? Because well, three in a row. Yeah,
1: well, I've got four kids. Something. It's almost asked me which which kid's my favourite. Well, Deion Sanders, <laughs> prime time. He ranks his kids, so he, he keeps <laughs> I, them accountable. I'll, I'll say my daughter's a favorite. <laughs> there, the favourite. There you go. The the, uh, the, the fourth one. So um, uh, the three boys don't get any love for me, but oh, I do love them. I do love them. Uh, look, I, I'd have to say the first one. The uh, first one, uh, just because of the – the journey and my story, uh, the journey of, of being uh, at Fitzroy, um, being involved in you know the the first four years of my footy career, not being so successful, and then getting there, uh, and always dreaming to be at grand final on grand final day, getting there, uh, being the last Fitzroy player, uh, being uh, only one of that eight players uh, that with the merge, Tommy, I mean, to still be there. Um, and then quite lucky enough that Pike had then come across who I played it for Troy with as well. It'd have to be the 0-1. Coming up against Essendon, knowing that they were favourites coming into it, um, the favourite team, uh, they were going back-to-back. Uh, we'd gotten the, we'd obviously beaten them earlier in the year. Uh, you just go back to that. And, and I remember now, we, we were in the old, which, you know, I don't know whether you remember but we were in the old Melbourne Rooms. The old Melbourne rooms were the Olympic standies now, which was it was mouldy concrete rooms. It was a, it had the old uh, you know race going down with the bar not the barbed wire the, the 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 fence down the side and on top so no one could throw anything at you. Yeah. All those I remember walking down the race there and and seeing everyone there on the day and uh, but that that is that is probably my most favourite moment is walking out there. But the confidence that I had that I knew that my teammate next to me. That's going to do his job, and if he done his job and I done my job, we're all going to we're going to be you know we're going to reap the rewards at the end of the day. And um, I'd have to go back to the, the O1 Grand Final of that, and, and the conditions. A lot of people forget the conditions. It was twenty seven degrees that day, and and we 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 felt very comfortable in those in that climate. And you know, to halftime it was touch and go, and then in the third term. Uh, we just took over. Uh, we took over, and, and as they call it, the Premiership quarter. So I'd have to go. Yeah, I won the first one, but certainly, um, you know, you got fond memories of the other other two um, with, against Collingwood, and um, you know, a lot of people talk about you know our fourth one as well. If we had a if we, uh, if we had a got over over Port um, in that fourth, that probably would have been uh, just as memorable as the first, because you know. Making history is probably probably the the one that probably overwrites them all. But unfortunately, we weren't able to get over that day. But I won going back to it. Uh, you know, boy from the northern suburbs being involved at Fitzroy. You know, being involved in a, of, a numerous of, of of wooden spoons and and being there and actually holding the cup up and um, you know just being being there after the game. Got interviewed by Dipper after the game as well. Uh, it was just fantastic. And you know, knowing all the hard work that Mum and Dad had put in and. Yeah. Um, and, and the whole family and all the support around me that I had, my wife and my children as well, was just – it had to be one Because, you know, you never thought you could get there. Yeah. and And the first one's always always the most favourite.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, it's the it's dream. It's the yeah, dream. Yeah. And it's awesome that you mention your family and sharing it with everyone. And also, like, yours is so different as well. Like, I, didn't, I, was, I obviously didn't know, like, there's three wooden spoons and then you've won three flags yeah. in, in a pretty tight window. Like, not yeah. tight, but, like, tight enough. Like, you wouldn't see – I don't know many people that would have done that. Yeah, yeah, you know, three really tough, you know, and then three, nearly four. You know,
1: yeah. Well, my my first four years of football, which I spoke about earlier, it was just terrible. I was just like, what yeah. the hell is going on? And yeah, yes, you're obviously getting paid for something that you love doing, but you want to win football games. Yeah, you, want you to, lose, your you head want to win, be, yeah, going, and you want to play finals. And and yeah. a lot of and, and in my first three years, Tommy, a lot of the guys in that draft year that I I was drafted in, they were all playing finals. They're all playing finals and, 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 you know, you're sort of sitting back, you know, on your holidays, wherever you are, Bali, Cairns, whatever it is, didn't go to out too far from that for our footy trips, but you're sitting back and watching those and you're like, well, I was only just playing with these guys, you know, in the under-18 competition and now they got the success. And, and for, for, for 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 what it was, you know, I didn't know all this success was, was ahead of me.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, you do compare. Uh, we've all done that. Don't worry. I remember – I was doing my first preseason and I come back lighter and the boys all come back five kilos everything because we're still doing technique work with the barbell. I said, give me a your spell. Yeah. <laughs> You're comparing your rigs and everything, not just games. That's 2001, 2002, 2003. Like, just quick, let's just – I want to quickly just condense these, all these, but just some memories from one. Like, just even passages of play, like 2001, what's one play that still stands out?
1: Uh, intercepted the ball, coming off halfback, third quarter. I uh, I intercepted off Joe Mercedes, tried to kick it to – so Mark McCurry intercepted, I turned around, kicked it straight down Craig McCrae's throat. He he wheeled and went, uh, kicked it long, and I think it was Lynchy who marked it goal. And then from that stage on I thought, yeah, we're unstoppable here.
0: Yeah, nice. Yeah. And do you still remind the boys that you set that yeah, play up? Yeah, yeah, I
1: remind fly when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> what about two thousand and two? Two thousand and two, uh, wet day. Um, just the, the the biggest thing there was the ability for us just to overcome uh the conditions. Um no no individual moment, but just just the whole day. We think it was going to be nice and shiny again, but but the the ability for us to actually get away with it and um you know, be able to work through diversity, um, the conditions. Uh, Acker's goal as well was fantastic, and. Um. Look, yeah. There, there's a lot of moments, but I think the whole day where it was tough conditions.
0: Yeah, and then 2003.
1: Well, oh, 2003. Uh, you know, I think it's the the rocker goal that everyone talks about. Um, they reckon it was goals. They're ready to kick the ball in. It was clearly a point. Um, and that was a hard, hard sort of effort day. Um, but certainly that that moment there, and and you know the. Again, through through the 0-2 and 0-3, yeah, it's very vague memories, but but again, it was tough conditions, wet, cold. I think it was the coldest day in Melbourne in September, so it's those whole conditions that we're able to adapt. Our game plan, okay, yes, it was good during the dry, but during the wet-weather football, it stood
0: up its best. Yeah, contested ball, tackles. Yeah. Uh, and what about actually 0-4 as well? Let's just talk about why would you lose, you reckon?
1: Uh, what did we lose? Uh, be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh well we we only had a seven, we only had a 6 day break um Port Adelaide played on a Friday night um I reckon it didn't help us uh with our recovery and we were so entrenched into our recovery we were still in the game we we're still in the game uh, I think halfway through the third quarter um and I reckon the toll of everything just just ran out though they, they they were just better in the second half of the game uh than than us and uh you know good 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 riddance to him, well done. Still haven't seen the game, haven't watched the game. I haven't watched haven't it. Haven't watched it at all, uh Tommy. Don't don't want to look back on that thing. And, and plus I didn't have a great game myself. I yeah. played on I played on Choppy Pickett and yeah, he got the Norm Smith medal. <laughs> I don't want to be looking back on that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to look back yeah, on no, that. Mate, just stick but to the yeah, three road. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah, no, 0-4, we just yeah, we 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 limped in. Um we limped in once again. And uh, yeah, just didn't have. So uh, you know, with, with grand finals, winning grand finals, a lot of things have got to go your way. Oh, y- yeah. Your list, uh, you know, your, your injuries, all that type of stuff, and you've got to be up and about as well, and you've got to be able to hit the ground running. And we thought we were, but um, you know, uh, not many teams. Or I can say this quite easily that I don't think many teams are going to get in that scenario of being able to go for four in a
0: row. Nah, nah, not many at all. Not many at all. Um. Oh, well done, mate. It's uh. Yeah, it's what dreams have made. Oh, four grand finals in a row. <laughs> like it's just. It's it's crazy to think about. it. Oh, it, it is. It As is. you know, it's a, oh. it's a, it's a it's a fair mountain to climb and well, to climb well, it for four years in a row and fall short just at the end, but win three of the four. Yeah. Um. It's special.
1: Well, by, by the third one, we had. The after parties and everything sorted out, so uh, we, know, we, knew of <laughs> we knew what was going on. We so had got everything planned. So and unfortunately, uh, 04 we had a lot more things planned, but it didn't work out. Oh no, yeah,
0: that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so good. Um, yeah. Let's go to now life our way from yep. you know, outside of footy and business world. Um, I want to I want to know a little bit more about SKS. Give everyone out there a little understanding of what SKS is uh, yep. and what you to. Yep.
1: Yep, so SKS uh, Group, XS Technologies, SKS Indigenous Technologies, Audiovisual, Electrical, Data, Comms, and Smart Buildings. So um, uh, we've got a national footprint uh, across Australia. Um, We've got our Indigenous business, which I'm the managing director of, which I'm heading up with. Um, It's in partnership with the Jinx family, uh, who you know know very well, Tommy, and um, it's been a great relationship so far. We've been we're just coming on 12 months uh, into the relationship. We're building our Indigenous employment numbers. So it's about trying to get Indigenous uh, employment numbers, Indigenous people within the workforce, in the electrical space, the audiovisual space, data and comms. Um, so we're trying to do that uh, nationally. Um, we're, we're hitting some good targets at the moment. We've got 12 uh, employees at the minute and really, really going strong and Got a fair bit of work in the pipeline for 2024 uh, in in this coming financial year. So um, it's been a great relationship. Uh, Got shared values uh, between myself uh, and the Jinx uh, family, uh, Peter, Greg, and Matthew, um, and Patrick there working uh, there as well in the office, um, you know, I've loved the, the opportunity and, and all the stuff that I've learned through football, Tommy, of, and i have just putting those values back into business as well. And, and building, building a strong, uh, a business at the moment. And, and hopefully we can go to bigger and stronger things, uh, throughout the, the coming years and giving some opportunities for my kids as well, to be a part of the company as well.
0: That's brilliant. Yeah. The, the, um, the the reports that consistently hit the yeah you know, when there's a little ASX announcement yeah, and they're just yeah. getting better and better and it's probably because of blokes like you doing such a great job only a year in um I know they speak really highly of you and said that you've uh, over overachieved, <laughs> yeah, over achieved um, which we love to hear what's um you spoke about Lee Matthew saying know your role execute your role what is your role and what do you need to execute you know on a, on the daily at SKS
1: so my role within uh, the SKS Indigenous uh, arm is actually to bring new um, new clients in, uh, new clients in the, That SKS Group would normally not normally have had, and and other avenues and thinking around um, how we can actually target um, other Aboriginal businesses uh, to help them to execute their Indigenous targets as well. So so basically, a day to day, I I manage uh, the SKS Indigenous uh, body on a day to day basis Um, in the office almost every day, uh, working closely with with Matthew Jinks, who who the CEO is, and and working with our electrical team and our audio visual team, and 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 then uh, working very closely with each general manager of each of each state so we've got Shane Edness who's the um, general manager of the eastern eastern seaboard and then we've got uh, Sam Nelson who looks after uh, south australia western australia and the northern territory so just working with them very closely and targeting and making sure we've got a focused target uh, in terms of our new clients that we're bringing on. Um, the, the main thing is is bringing Indigenous employment numbers up and into yeah. the industry. So so my connection through uh, multiple communities throughout the country and involved with, with youth as well um, over a number of years at the AFL running their Indigenous program. So I've got a good footprint and a good way or a good segue into some of those communities and got good connections to those. So so I basically bring new clients in and, and building our Indigenous numbers up within the uh, within the industry as well. That's
0: awesome, mate. You're doing, yeah, I said, you're doing an awesome uh, thanks, job. Um, and it's great to see you're helping um, the Indigenous boys and girls, you know, give them an opportunity and to work in such a great company like SKS. But I always like to dumb it down because yeah. when I was at school, I, I was pretty simple. Yeah. Um, so, what I want to do is Talk to us about what are some of the projects that SKS are working on or have worked on so that people can understand how, you know, how big this company really is and and the work that – because you hear about Sparkies and whatnot. This is a bit different. Yeah, um, yeah,
1: totally, totally. Well, my son's coming through as an apprentice at the moment as a Sparky, but but some of the projects that that SKS uh, Technologies are doing, if you think about the North Footscray Hospital, we're doing work into there. And if you talk about SKS Indigenous Technologies, so – um we're doing work with the Currie Heritage Trust, which is based in Fed Square. So we're doing two levels for them with their electrical and their audio visual. So when we're talking audio visual, some of that stuff is TVs, around um, you know sound systems, around touch screens, around interactive screens and these little bits and pieces. That's one project we're doing uh, at the moment in the heart of Melbourne. Um, if we talk about uh, outside of Melbourne or outside of Victoria, um, we do a lot of work within the NT space um, in the defence, um, so we're very heavily involved in NT uh, in the space there of, of defence and in South Australia with a company called Ventia as well, doing elite work into them in around their data centres. And then if we go outside of Melbourne, we're working with the Rumbelara Football Club in building their community hub there at their football club, um, which is a, a, a facility where It's going to be uh, a place where community can come and and use for functions, uh, community groups can use, so uh, it's going to be a residential area as well that they can bring camps in at the same time. So there's some of the big projects that we're doing as SKS Indigenous, but SKS itself, SKS Group, you know, we're doing some massive progress programs or projects uh, within the city. We've just done the um, the Monaro Library, which is just at Southeastern, um, the South um, Melbourne Markets, uh, just right next to them. So... Uh, we've delivered that project, which is uh, was our first project at SKS Indigenous Technologies that we that we've delivered uh, along with a, a company called BuildCorp, um as doing a fit out there. So, so there's some big projects going on at the moment. Uh, as I said, our 24, uh, 24, 2024 pipeline is quite big at the moment, and looking forward to you know pushing that work out.
0: Yeah, it's awesome, mate, and, and the work you do, like it's it's incredible what the technology can do these oh, days. Yes. Like when you say just, again, break it down, what, the, the technology you're putting in to make, uh, I guess, the, the audio and the visuals and all the lights and, you know, all the screens and that all off one button. Like yeah. how, how do you how do you even come up with that stuff? <laughs> so,
1: so, I, <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm not a technical side. I know, totally. I know, I'm I know. I, know. A but I, always think, well, I sell the dream now. Yeah, because I'm thinking if I have a yeah. sports
0: bar one day, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm calling SKS and i are saying, boys, yeah. what can I do? Yeah. And they'll go, we can do it all. By the click of a button.
1: Yeah. So so basically, we have uh, we have our electrical team, uh, we have our audio visual team, um, and then we have a data a data group as well. So so we we all work together under the same banner, and we bring we bring together ideas and thoughts how we can actually give the the end client uh, the best and most easiest and and simplest uh product to use what they want to get out of what they want to do. Um, you know, I think I think what it comes back to if you if you want to do a surround sound system in your house or or you want to do a meeting room. So a boardroom, for instance, a boardroom we can bring in everything there where you wanna, you know, we get into meeting rooms so often go into meetings and you gotta plug all these certain things into a laptop. Well we've got the system where you actually just plug one thing in and it works off all these other different systems and it can go around well, pretty much in that whole boardroom. So so it simplifies uh, technology and audio visual and and I guess you know hooking up your TV to an antenna and all those it makes all that easy, and we take that work out of uh, all that stress out of your work, and um, and then we have the the electrical component where you if you want to put lights lights to to certain beats and all these little bits and pieces, we've got a, a, a group of people that can pull this into one area um, where which are, they're very
0: clever in what they do. Oh, they are! It's ser- it's seriously impressive what um, SKS does, and as I said, the group um, th- there's so much going on. It's 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 fascinating. Anyone listening, watching, and they want to get in touch with yourself or SKS, where do they go if they're going, holy shit, this is what we've been wanting for our company. Like how do I get in touch? Where would they go?
1: Yeah, just go straight to our website, uh, SKS uh, Technologies or SKS Indigenous Technologies. Um, You know, if you have maybe something that you want to – uh, give back to the community. Um, so we, in SKS Indigenous Technologies, we we support uh, certain communities around Australia um, in around uh, schooling, health, education, um, boarding houses, and whatnot. Um, so a majority of our earnings or majority of our profits go back into Indigenous communities as well. Um, but yeah, go to our website. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on uh, LinkedIn. Um uh, and you can basically go there, sks.com.au. you'll find us uh,
0: on any sort of browser that you're looking at through. Perfect, mate. No, you've yeah uh, you're only twelve months in, but uh, <laughs> mate, you're selling the dream and I love it. I love it. No wonder I hope they're paying you the big bucks. Um Jinxie, we'll have to have a word to him for a little pay rise, Jinxie. He's on fire, this bloke. <laughs> but uh no, very good mate, very good. Now we go to our, now when you come on um mate, great timing, oh. Milwaukee tools, they are as I said to you before, without then we don't have this. This doesn't exist. Uh, they are they are such a great support of the podcast. Um, Tommy talks and and what I do love about uh, Milwaukee is they consistently you know they offer our guests some some prizes oh, and some products. Slick, yeah, and yeah. and this month it's all about the lawnmower, <laughs> oh, So we've got the lawnmower here. Um, you know you got the battery pack as well, and you know full throttle under one second, as you can see, mate. Before I give this lawnmower a fair income plug, I want to yep. know we always ask our guests what would their Milwaukee tools handiest moment be so you know you had an amazing career and we keep it kind of on the footy field but is there like a moment where even you were shocked with the goal that you kicked, or it might be international rules, or, or or a moment that you you might have had a cool passage of play. What would be the one moment where, even with your kids, you go, oh, you're old man." You know, <laughs> hey, look at this highlight. Like, is there one Milwaukee Tool handy moment that stands oh,
1: out? There, there are, Tommy. Yeah, and, and I'd have to go back to uh, my marks. So I, don't, I didn't mind flying for a hanger every now and then, but it was it was a mark in the uh, in one of the. I think it might have been an I1 a prelim final against. Uh, Port Adelaide and um, an ex-teammate of mine Matthew Primus was playing for Port Adelaide Um, they kicked the ball out straight down the middle of the ground Uh, he locked arms with Vossi and I had no one on me my forward forward line uh, forward player had gone up the ground and it was just a perfect sit and I launched myself I took the mark, and before I landed, I was smiling already straight <laughs> at Matty Primus. So that was a that was a great moment for me. I've got a photo of it at home as well. Oh, so yes. every time I see the lure, I, uh, <laughs> I I I make mention of it all the time. Uh, Matty Primus, a good man, and uh, he was a, he was a great player for Fitzroy. Went on the Port Adelaide and coached them as well. But that that had to be my 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 my, my walkie moment.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Walkies tongue I I was, saying, I was and saying good
1: quality gear too. So. Talk about SKS, uh, Tommy. We use Milwaukee quite a bit uh, within our within our industry, and a lot of our apprentices and uh, and tradesmen uh, use the Milwaukee gear. It's quality stuff. It's quality gear.
0: Yeah, it is. It's um. Oh, all the tradies use it. Yeah. As I said, it's uh, that's why it's been so good to to partner with these guys. Um, yeah, it's quality, mate, and and all the guests that we've given out. As I said, they've got the best products. Oh, like heated jackets. They have got even all heard the tools. No, they've done almost. Well, mate, they've just hey? brought them out. The optimized steel deck design. It's push start. It's self uh, self proper. I can't even say it proper Propulsion. Yeah, hey? keep it in. Don't even yeah. edit it. They'll be going. Tommy sorted it. <laughs> yeah. Capabilities. It reaches full throttle in under one second, and it comes with an eight amp starter pack to get you started. Uh, and that'll be hitting your doorstep, oh, mate. Once we finish mate. the show. Big TIG t- coin there from uh, Milwaukee Partnerships, okay. uh, head of marketing, head of everything. He's the man, and he'll be emailing you and uh, sending you that on your doorstep. You got much lawn to cut?
1: Yeah, I've got a little bit of lawn, Tommy. I got a bit of lawn at the uh, the boarding house where, where my wife and I manage, so got a bit of lawn to be cut there, but certainly... It saves bugging around with those two
0: stroke engines, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No, you no, no just bang, hey, No fuel as no well. Fuel, looking after the, air, looking air after air. the world.
1: Yeah, that's right. The that's greenies
0: right. will love it. That's right, right. Um but yeah, no, Milwaukee. That's great. The boys are using their tools. It's um we'll have to have a chat to them, see if we can get a little something going. But um mm. well, let's go to Rickson Retirement oh Rick's in retirement. Rick's on tour. I changed the segment. Sewer. Mate, you, you come go. on here, you get a pair of sunnies. Jeez. The sun's starting to come out. I just saw the uh, the Bureau of Meteorology, as they say, <laughs> the bombs come out and said, it's not Nina; it's the opposite. I can't remember what it's called, but we're going to have a hot summer and spring, which is just, just music That'd to be my nice. ears. That'd be nice. um Because last year was a bit wet and trying to sell sunglasses when it's just raining is <laughs> a tough work, Jono. Uh, mate, these are yours, the Rixies. Oh. I've got you the Black Orbit. So, yeah, I always say OBJ, he's probably the, the most famous person that's worn these. Um, but the black orbits—they're a staple, them. Mate, Chuck them on. I know you said you got a—you said you got a round head, and, <laughs> and I said all oh, well, these are round no, 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 frames, no, no. and they're they're more your um—they're they're, they're very oh, popular. Yeah, oh, there wow. you go. Yeah, the kids put will be um, yeah. Little, I'll staple put them down there a little bit. Yeah. There you go. There now, you mate, go. yeah, you.
1: they looking? Oh, I look I reckon the boys will grab these off my hands straight away as soon as I walk in the door. i just hit me up. I'll send you another one.
0: Um, there's four kids. It'll be tough. You yeah, you're going to lose them. I reckon. Um, Rick's on tour. You know, off-season when you're playing, uh, uh, there's, always, there's always some great characters at the football club and there's always guys that help you. You know, when you finish the season, you need a, just a couple of weeks just to, you know, have a few beers and relax, unwind before you get back into it again. Who would be the two blokes that you would take with your Rick's Eyewear, your black Orbits with, um, and where would you go?
1: Jeez, jeez, I'm not a massive traveller, Tommy. Um, all, all the off-season stuff for me has been mainly within Australia. I've only been a one overseas free trip, believe it or not, which there has been go. which has been to Hawaii. Uh, um, I, I guess if you if you if you really want to have a good time and you want someone to go the distance with you and probably outlast you, it'd certainly be Martin Pike. Uh, you'd bring him along with you because uh, if you wanted to hit the uh, the sack, if you've had too much, you would just keep going himself anyway, and you'd probably find him there the next morning as well, uh, still going. <laughs> so you'd be able to start, uh, take off where you where you left off. Uh, certainly him, and uh, I'd I'd bring probably a, a good mate as well in in Daryl White. I'd, I'd bring DJ along. As well, DJ would be it would should calm things down at certain times when when things got out of hand for myself and Pikey, he'd pull us in the check pretty quickly, and <laughs> I reckon we'd probably we'd probably find ourselves not not so much we I, I like Australia, I like staying within Australia, so we'd probably find ourselves somewhere up in around probably Byron Bay oh. uh, that type area, mate. Uh, you know, very very close to home, so we could get home quite easily if uh, we've. With family and whatnot, but um, but yeah, those two there, they'd they'd certainly be my two wingmen if I was to go anywhere with oh, anyone and, and bring the Rick sunglasses along oh, with me.
0: Oh, mate, as well said, and I think we forget how good Australia is. I, I always ask, where would you go in the world? But you- yeah. Every time I come back from yeah. overseas, you're just reminded of how bloody lucky we are and how good – everything's – you know, everything's here. You've got yeah. everything you need and, oh, and, and only two or three hours away. Yeah,
1: and Byron Bay, like you can you can sit around there. You can pretty much do nothing. you got the beach there. you got the hinterlands, you know. You can go up the coast to the Gold Coast if you need that little bit more extra. Uh, but a beautiful spot. There's so many places to go around Australia. I, I haven't done all of Australia yet. I've done the Nullarbor. Uh, I've done the tip of. it. Done through Cape York as well. But but looking to do a bit more in the coming
0: months. Is there a place that you like you, that was that stands out to you that you have been in Australia that you thought was stunning? And not? Oh, maybe mate, was-
1: there's a place in the Cape uh, called Fruit Bat Falls. It's a local waterhole. It's a waterhole with some waterfalls and stuff like that. Um, I I go there once a year um, and and have a bit of a swim around there for 45 minutes, and it's the most beautiful place I've been in Australia. It's uh, in the middle of nowhere. Um, You know, there's only tourists there that come in and come out each day and the water's so so beautiful, fresh, sparkling water. Um, it's certainly the my favourite place in Australia. Yeah,
0: that's great. Love love that you shared that, mate. It's um, it's something that we should. Someone out there will definitely check that out. I've <laughs> never heard of it, so I have to get some photos of that place. Hey, just wanted to say thanks so much for your time. I know you're a busy man running SKS Indigenous and, um, yeah, you know, you've got a lot going on and we haven't even spoken about commentary yeah, and we yeah. could have spoken <laughs> about all the other years. But, look, we'll we have to get you back on again. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much for your time, mate. I've, uh, I've always wanted to get you on and getting you on around finals time is is quite special um, considering that the, the Lions, as, as I know, and everyone listening, this will be recorded Uh, before the prelims, So if they win, they'll be going into a grand final when this is released. But um, yeah, mate, you you had an amazing career. You've done so much for so many communities and you're doing so much for so many people now. And um, yeah, I wish you nothing but the best and thanks so much for, for coming on.
1: No, good on you, Tommy. Thanks having me, it, mate, and uh, let's hope the Lions get in uh, grand final, and it means a cash in week for me. <laughs> oh, mate, uh,
0: cashies got law for you boys. That's what I was, speaking to your, your teammate John O'Brien. Oh, he was saying, but just he had, uh, I think he said he had Dane Swan on his podcast, and all they were yeah. talking about was if we can get a Pies and the Lions, it'll be a cashies <laughs> exactly, heaven. But exactly. uh, hopefully, it's the Giants playing. Uh, hopefully, the Giants yeah. playing. And to everyone listening, thanks so much for your support. Um, always hit the subscribe button or like, or send us a comment. Uh, I think you can even write comments on Spotify now. So you can let us know what you thought of this episode. Uh, o has been outstanding and um, yeah, great story and plenty more to come. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. And we'll see you on the next one. One more time, because I really mean it. I just want to say a massive thank you for all the support you continue to give us at the Aus American Aces. If you want to further support us, Make sure you like and subscribe, hit the follow button so you can keep up to date with all our exciting shows and announcements. Righto, now it's time to give our sponsors a massive plug. Lead the charge with Milwaukee. Performance, power, precision, no petrol hassles. Learn more at milwaukeetool.com.au Milwaukee, nothing but heavy duty. Aces, I know I always talk about the Rixies. But i got to offer you the discount again in case you've forgotten or in case you're sleeping under a rock. We have a special discount code for everyone that listens to this podcast or watch the podcast. It's ACES. Head online to rickseyewear.com.au and use the discount code ACES and you'll get 20% off. That's right, 20% off, one-fifth at checkout and free express shipping. So head online, rickseyewear.com.au and check it out.